Hello, hello, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic, and I am joined uh, by all of my forest friends. Uh, we've got uh, our co-host, David Russell. David, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? You survived the doing new year, great. huh? Yeah, new year. <laughs> Woo! Feels know, a lot right? like the old year. Still does. Um, wow. Uh, but hey, no, no worries, because uh, we've got a real skeptics and seekers. None of that superhero stuff now. We're past that. What fun that was. I'm ready for another one. Uh, we've got uh, with us Sarah. And uh, Sarah, I believe this is the first time on video on Skeptics and Seekers for you. How are you doing? Indeed. Good, good, good. Happy that it's another new year, because it just can't be as bad as last year. It could. Uh, <laughs> Our queen didn't die. That's that's something. Well, that's good. Uh, God <laughs> saved the queen. Um, exactly. And uh, we have with us a very special guest. Uh, he has been on proscenium and or still unbelievable with uh, my friend uh, Andrew and also Matt. His name is Dave Pegg. Dave, how you doing? I'm very good, although I haven't been on the Unbelievable show. I haven't risen to those ranks it's yet. Still, still Unbelievable. That's the, that's the show. That oh, sure, that one I have. Oh, now I've said something awful about that, haven't I? Sorry. That's just as no, high a rank. It's, it's okay. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the smalls. Don't worry about those guys. <laughs> I don't even know why I mentioned them. Uh, <laughs> actually, uh, Andrew said hello, and uh, mostly I just wanted to uh, see if you had like an allergic reaction when I mentioned Andrew's name. Like, you you doing okay with her? Did oh, you no, did you good. did you did you need counseling after the show with Andrew? <laughs> no, it was great. We had a, a good conversation. Quite a deep dive, I seem to remember, on the Kalam cosmological argument. So we oh, got into oh, that. All right. So you're 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 psychologically sound after that. Uh, no no extended stays in a in a care unit or. Uh, nothing like that? Okay. Sounds like Andrew's Actually, slipping. Yeah. We'll try to do better. <laughs> um, so uh, today we're going to talk about uh, a very heavy uh, issue. It's, uh, it's heavy to me. Uh, anyway, uh, once upon a time, I dabbled in the youth ministry, uh, uh, among other ministries, but I, I spent uh, quite a bit of time uh, working with youth. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, youth today. Uh, today's podcast, uh, today's blog is called Children of God. Uh, it's kind of a long blog. Uh, you can read the blog at skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. And uh, if you'd like to curse me out, you can do so in the comments section there, or you can do it privately in an email to me at skepticsandseekers at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, youth and ministry and indoctrination and uh, all of the things that go along with that. But first, but first, uh, since we have not had uh, Dave Pegg on the show yet, and by the way, uh, I want to just special thanks and shout out to Sarah for bringing Dave to us. Um, so thank you, Sarah, for that. Uh, and whatever train wreck happens, your fault. Um, hey, hey, we had we had a civil conversation on on unbelievable, didn't we, David? And uh, yeah, Dave, we're going to get mixed up with all these days. Um, but yeah, we actually had what something that never happens in the history of the internet—a perfectly civil debate. 
perfectly civil exchange <laughs> over religion. It can happen. So. Yeah, it can welcome. Happen. Yeah. Welcome to Skeptics and Seekers, people. Um, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get into some things. But since you're new to this audience, uh, Dave, and I know we've got a lot of crossover, I just want to make sure that we properly introduce you and figure out who the heck are you and uh, why we should care and what you believe and why you believe it and you know what what sports teams you support and that sort of thing. <laughs> so. Um, so first of all, I want to start uh, with the basics. By the way, um, Russell and uh, also Sarah, uh, this first part is just a general uh, interview uh, stuff. And so feel free to jump in with follow-up uh, and uh, your own questions. Usually I have a list of questions, but I do so many interviews, I, I don't bother to write them out. And I know that Russell, you do a lot of interviews, so we can, we can, do, we can figure this out, right? Uh, so Peg, what I want to know is, first of all, you identify as a Christian, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so how long have you been a Christian? Yeah, so I've been, I would say I've been a Christian, a follower of Jesus, that is, since I was about five years old. Okay. Uh, you're, you're the perfect candidate for this show. Uh, and you've got me beat by a little bit. Uh, I was, I was a laggard. I was seven uh, when I was baptized. <laughs> so, right. uh, well, I wasn't That's, baptized though until I was 15. Oh, well, in that That's case. When I, I did the water thing when I was 15. I see. Um, that's that's interesting, and I don't want to sidetrack myself. But there are many uh, where I come from who would say you were not a follower of Jesus until you were baptized. Uh, so that's that's an interesting thing. We won't dive into that. Rather, we'll just let you tell us a little bit about that journey. Uh, how yep. did you come to identify yourself as a follower of Jesus and become a Christian? So uh, that sure. and then from five to 15, uh, you decided to make that commitment real. And then the third thing I want you to go into is there's usually this this segment uh, in all Christians life. If, if they're old enough, they go through a phase where they had a period of doubt or a period of reassessment or something, mm. and they are, you know, they're a different kind of Christian than what they started out with. And so I'm just going to assume that you went through some kind of phase like that. I want you to tell us about that phase, too. So I'm going to just give you sure. a little bit of space and tell us uh, about your journey. Great. So uh, initially, and then let me tell you about what I remember and know about when I was five, which is limited because it's a long time ago. I'm 43 now. Um, so... Uh, I've been raised in a Christian home, you could say. Both my mum and dad are Christians. Uh, me and my brother uh, are Christians as well. Um, and in those days, all I really know about that five-year-old moment now is uh, I had a chat with my mum in our kitchen at home. And I said, mum, I want to be a Christian. I want to I follow Jesus. How do I do that? And she just led me through a very simple prayer where I invited Jesus to come and live in my heart. Uh, and that was that. And I used to think that that was a silly kid's prayer, didn't really mean much. Uh, as I've grown as a Christian over the years, I've realised what I believe now about that moment is that that's literally what happened. I really believe that Jesus, by his spirit, moved into my life in some way, age five. And some relationship with God began in that moment. Um, a five-year-old relationship with God, not a 43-year-old one, but uh, I, I think that was a very real moment now as I reflect back and my understanding of what God does when someone prays that kind of a prayer, even age five. So 
that that's kind of that moment. Um, the second thing you wanted me to talk about is just at age five to fifteen, and uh, that that baptism moment, uh, age fifteen. So, I guess we need to distinguish, don't we, between uh, what I would call infant baptism and believers' baptism. Infant baptism is obviously something that happens to usually babies or very small people when they're very young. Uh, we didn't do that in our family. That just wasn't our Christian tradition, I guess. So we weren't uh, uh, we weren't about to do that. But in the church I grew up in, it was a, a Pentecostal church, pretty lively, and we did believers' baptisms. So when somebody was sure and certain that they were trusting and following Jesus and they wanted to go public with that, um, and they usually, I don't think they, we had rules about how old you had to be, um, but in our church, you, it was usually by sort of teenage years at least. I can't remember anyone younger than uh, 11-ish who got baptised in our church growing up. So I was 15 when I decided to do that. It was time to nail my colours to the mast. I'd been sure for a while and it was about time I got baptised. So um, we spoke to the leaders and they let me do that and they dunked me in the water in public and I said, yeah, I'm a Christian and I'm serious about this. Um, that's basically what it is. Um, it is just water, I think. So that, that comment earlier about uh, maybe some people in some places think that you, you're not really a real Christian until you've done the water thing. I don't believe that's true. I think um, like a wedding ring, is just metal on my hand. It's a sign that I am committed to my wife. Um, but if I take it off, I still love her. Um, you know, we're still keeping our promises to each other. In the same way, the water bit in believers' baptism, I think, is an outward sign of an inward commitment that's been made. Um, so yeah, that that was uh, me going public. I would say as a Christian, I did that at age 15. I think I would say, talking about the journey and, and, and the third thing is doubts, isn't it? You wanted to me to just talk about, have I had a period of doubting? I don't think I've had in my life so far a massive season of doubting or, or massively going back on my Christian faith. Um, I have had doubts plenty along the way and lots of questions, and I still have lots of questions about things. Um, but I, I don't think I've had a big season of going back and then returning. Uh, I think my experience has been I've just pretty much enjoyed most of the time a relationship with God from very young and right through till today. Um, there have been times when friends have had questions and I've not thought of those, so I've had to go and look at that and think about it and wrestle with things. There have been times when I've had questions I've wanted to sort of get to the bottom of. Uh, my opinion has changed and shifted and grown as I've grown with relationship with God as well. Um, but... But I think the the more I've done that, the more I've found there's no going back for me really in terms of trusting and following Jesus or relationship with God. I'm I'm open minded ask, as much as I can be. Just, but uh, I let don't me just think jump I'm in. Let me just that. jump in real quick. Um, you're yeah. you said that you haven't had any significant doubts, but is there a? I wouldn't a say that. I just haven't had a season of them. Right. Okay. Uh, so I've, I've had some big doubts. Yeah. But is, is there a point where you've said, okay, I'm making this faith my own? Uh, oh, sure. You know, yeah. it, it, where it goes from being your parents' faith to your faith. So I think I definitely would have done that by 15 when I did that baptism moment. Um, and I think my church leaders were quite responsible and careful about making sure I knew what I was getting into and, and for everyone else that was getting baptized as well. So I, it was definitely my own faith by then. I, I think it had been my own faith, to be honest for a long time before that. Uh, I don't know if I can pick a moment, but it would have been for a while before I was 15. So I was pretty sure about following Jesus. And as I say, as, thinking back, I don't remember a time 
where I wasn't pretty serious about following Jesus. Uh, like I say, I think it's been pretty much my whole life, not my whole life, you know, because it was uh, it was age five that I really wanted to express that to my mum. But yeah, maybe since then, I would say that relationship with God really began. Okay, was there a time when you made some significant changes to your beliefs? Uh, because, you know, maybe at five years old, you don't have a, a very good systematic theology <laughs> to say, well, yeah. um, you know, and so maybe there comes a time when you thought, uh, you know, well, the Bible was saying one thing, but you realize, no, that's not the right way to read it. And you just kind of have a gain a more mature um, yeah. view of things. There's been, there's been plenty of growing and changing and shifting in terms of my understanding and and beliefs i think um i guess one example of that would be just my understanding of how to understand the book of genesis and the story of creation and things like that so in, in the early days of my life i would have been taking that stuff pretty literally i think uh, that's that creation story these days um i would say it's not something that's necessarily intended to be taken literally i think it's a different kind of truth uh, in the early chapters of Genesis. Um, nonetheless true, but, you know, and I take it just as seriously, I just don't take it as literally as I once did. So that's been a shift for me. And there's been other things like that, I guess, where my opinion about maybe what's right and wrong or best has, has changed and shifted and, and grown and developed as I've uh, been in relationship with God, I would say. I see. Um, so what what um, denomination are you a part of? If if you don't mind me yeah. asking. Sorry. Yeah, that's a fun question. So just just ignore the many iterations <laughs> of Siri I have in this room. <laughs> trying to get in on a conversation. Um, I, so that's a fun question. I don't really, I wouldn't really say I belong to a particular denomination. Uh, I mean, the church we attend locally is an independent evangelical church. Oh, I've got to go careful with that word evangelical internationally, haven't I? Because it means different things in the UK as it does in America. So. Um, I was definitely going to ask uh, what that means. <laughs> yeah, so I would say evangelical is what I would, I would explain as uh, Bible-believing, basically, and trying to stick to what the Bible says as Christians and follow that as our authority. So it's a church that does that, and it's independent, meaning it's not part of a larger group of churches formally, although we're friends with other churches and team up for things. How about, um, how about the C of E? Would you say that um, you are you would consider the C of E a church of, of good fellowship or would you say that that's uh, maybe a very it's, different uh, kind of place? I think every church and every group of churches is a mixed bag. I think some of the churches you'll find in those groups will be vibrant and welcoming and loving and all the things you might hope for and some of them will be dull and pretty rubbish I think. So um, I can't really comment on the Church of England as a whole. They're a mixed bag. I've got plenty of friends in the Church of England, and I work with a lot of church leaders, actually, locally, of all different sorts of churches, and, and they're good friends. So it, the church is a diverse thing. Sometimes I love it, and it's brilliant, and other times it's frustrating, and, and that's part of the journey as well. Let me ask you one more, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, turn, it, I'll turn it over to well. Sarah. Okay, I was just going to Yeah, I'll, let me just ask one more, and then I'll turn it over. Um, you, hmm. I... You mentioned that um, when you were younger, you would have viewed Genesis more literally. Um, yeah. and, 
is is that is that what you were saying in, in that you don't you don't view it the same way today why would you why did you view it more literally then where would you have gotten that that idea that it was to be taken yeah literally? um so why did i view it that way as a child i think probably i just took it at face value as a child i would think it's a fairly natural thing to do uh, and not understanding some of the nuance of literary genre and things like that that the bible has and that's something I learned about as I grew older. Uh, these days, I mean, Christians differ on this as grown-ups, don't they, as well? Some Christians still want to read that fairly literally, and I, and I don't. So reasons for changing there would be uh, science, mostly, uh, and evangelism, I would say, as well. So I would say I'm someone who likes to be able to talk about my faith with other people who are happy to talk about it too. And... I don't want to insist that my non-Christian friends believe in talking snakes and a literal young earth, six-day creationism or, I don't, you know, things you would straight away find implausible. I don't want to insist right. that they believe those things, and I don't think the Bible does either. I just, I just want to be very clear. At five years old, you were taught something, right? I mean, you didn't just stumble into a... Uh, you know, the, the library and pick up a Bible and start reading it at five and start forming opinions and say, I, I, I want you in my life, Jesus. I, I take it you had some teaching. And so someone would have, you would have gotten sure. those impressions from someone, some teacher somewhere. Yeah, sure. My parents and people at church, I was, I was taught about God and about Christian things. Sure. And so you would have, you would have gotten that conservative teaching from them, right? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily have described, well, and this is me reflecting as an adult, I wouldn't have known the word conservative age five, but I, that's not well, what liter I think literalist. I received actually. No, I don't think I received specifically that kind of teaching age five. I think they just didn't teach five-year-olds about different readings of Genesis. We just looked at the story and learned what it said in the Bible. And, you know, we drew our pictures of different things that God made and stuff like that. So I believe that age five that God had, made everything. They had to watch Veggie Tales. No, age. we didn't have Veggie Tales in the UK. Uh, um, that was later no, on as a kid. I remember Veggie Tales coming oh, in. Oh really? Oh, I yeah. didn't. Know. I didn't have those. Um, but you would have been able to distinguish between Little Red Riding Hood, for example, and you would have known that was a story and not literal or true. But yet you would have assumed that yes. the Genesis story was true. That's the difference. And yeah, I would have understood actually, that difference. Yeah. You think you would? Yeah. But that's not a difference, I think, between uh, literal truth and figurative truth. I think that's the difference between um, fiction and, and truth. So I don't think The Little Red Riding Hood is a true story at all. I mean, it may be based on something true, I guess, but, no, it, but as it's a fiction, child, isn't it? How would, you, how would you have distinguished? Because, I mean, you get told a story in Little Red Riding Hood. Somehow, as a kid, we know it's, it's a made-up story. But then we get yeah. told a story about the creation, which I'm sorry, but it's getting embarrassing to go on about 6,000 years old and 6,000 year sure. old earth and talking snakes. Um, yeah. Know, as I say, many Christians don't believe it. And, but, uh, but how would you have distinguished as a child between the two genres or whether somebody would have even yeah. said so? Because um, my guess is they would have just told you, like they did me, that Genesis yeah. was just that's the way the world, I mean, that's what I believe literally. Nobody yeah. specifically said, oh, this is a literal story, but they did, um, it was Yeah, so I think I was told, 
I think I was just um, challenging the word conservative teaching there because I don't think that's what I would have received in my church age five, even then. I think uh, they would have told me that it was true, uh, but they wouldn't have insisted that people in that church in those days uh, that I grew up in uh, had a literal understanding of Genesis. Uh, age five, what I would have been told at church is the Bible is true and this is what we believe and this is what it says about God creating and it was later on in life that I learned about nuance there and different understandings of how that might be true and what Genesis, okay, the it, author's intention of Genesis was. I, I, I don't want it, to. It sounds like you might be hedging a bit, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to browbeat you on this point. But I just want to be very That's clear. Okay. People taught you, and you, there was a certain belief system in your church. I mean, I can say. 100% without um, with, without hesitation that I would have been uh, taught from my church and my parents that those stories were literal. Uh, in fact, we we wouldn't have right. even spoken much about the difference between literal and figurative. The earth was 6,000 years old. Adam was the first man. They were created from the dust uh, of the earth. Eve was created from uh, a bone in his side. And that's, that's what it is. And to this day, um, uh, most of the people in my church still believe that, and they, they make no bones about that. Now, whether your okay, church... Okay, that sounds different from the church right. I grew up in. Okay, so so you're saying that they didn't believe that, but you just got that misunderstanding um, as... No, what I'm saying is, I think, when, when I was five, my church in those days that I grew up in, it's a different church from the one I'm part of now. Uh, okay. I imagine it would have been a mixed bag. There would have been Christians who would have taken that Genesis account very literally and there would have been Christians in that church who didn't and thought it was figuratively true uh, or true in a different way so but it that, wouldn't have been out of place to think of it as literal yeah. okay but it wasn't out of place to think of that as literal it, that no, was perfectly acceptable free to, to think, think that as if they wanted to okay uh, yeah we were a mixture of uh, beliefs about how Genesis was true but the Christians in that church would have thought that it was true some literally true and some figuratively true. So what I'm saying is it wasn't a conservative church in its teaching. It was pretty okay. mixed. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get the lay of the land without using um, as, as many labels as I can get away with without using. Um, Might struggle, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, um, but I'm, I'm just trying to figure out where you came from and how you got there. So you, yeah. you clearly, you yeah. clearly don't believe today about Genesis because you, you specifically mentioned Genesis. So that's why I'm talking about it. You clearly yeah. don't believe today about Genesis, what you believed then. When did that shift take place and, and how? Okay. Yeah. So I, I think there's some things I believed then that I still believe now. And there's some things I probably would have assumed then, or maybe not even thought about then, that I have thought about now. Um, and I've kind of moved a little bit. So um, I'm trying to think. This hasn't been a uh, landmark, life-changing moment for me. It's just been a gradual process of learning. So um, I, I mean, age five, I believe that God is the creator of everything. I still believe that. Uh, age five, I would have probably believed if you'd have asked me age five I probably would have said how and if you asked me age five how long did it take for God to make everything I probably would have said six days but I hadn't really learned anything beyond the story in in the Bible so um, for me it probably would have been uh, in my 20s 
that I really started to learn about different literary genres in the Bible and I got a bit more serious about my studies and I did a degree in theology actually so I really was reading and writing quite a lot about that stuff um, and that's when my opinions started getting uh, challenged and I realized there was other opinions other interpretations about different parts of the Bible um, so yeah that's probably when I began to shift and I thought, oh okay this isn't the only way to understand what Genesis is really meaning um, it might still be true uh, but in a different way true and and perhaps I don't need to insist uh, and you know in, insist and say confidently how old the earth is or how long it took or what processes God did or didn't use Christians uh, uh, they differ on that stuff and they still believe Genesis is true so um, yeah probably in my 20s is when I began learning more things about how to understand the Bible and and some of my I would say my understanding developed and grew um, it probably shifted and changed a bit as well. Uh, I just feel like it's been a gradual journey of learning uh, rather than a massive crisis moment for me because I don't think I grew up with that strong, literal, you must believe it was a young earth and you must believe it's literally true. I didn't grow up with that. So like I say, there was a mixed bag, there was more nuance and we were a, a mixture of Christians. And so, yeah, it was a, just a journey for me really where I didn't feel like I had to ditch my Christianity, uh, okay. but just understand okay. it better, that's all. Yeah, well, I got Go a question. What, what, yeah, I'm just going to question. Um, out of interest, what do you teach your children? Do you teach it to them as a literal as a literal thing or as a story or as a narrative or yeah, like a fable or sound at all? I try. I, I think, I yeah. honestly think back in the 70s where I think we're back similar ages but um yeah. there's uh you know i think that those kind of discussions about genesis weren't being had as much i don't i don't think there was this big issue with it from what i gather it was just most people believed it and maybe somebody had looked into things that was more scientifically based but there wasn't the internet so people didn't go in big searches about mm -hmm. the age of the earth they yeah. kind of just tended to think that that's the case and um but nowadays i think people are a little bit more uh aware that it might not be the coolest thing to say that you believe the earth is 6,000 years old. So yeah. they might, there may be a bit more of a, an emphasis on teaching children straight away that it's it's not literal. Is that, so what do you do with your children? Yeah. I think they're quite young. That's helpful. It's, it's probably, it probably is really helpful for us to talk about how we as Christian parents talk about these things with our kids. Because, I mean, that's the topic for tonight, isn't it? Uh, indoctrination. Yeah. Are we guilty of indoctrinating our kids as Christian parents? Um, I hope not, because I think indoctrination is always a bad thing. Uh, unthinking and blind obedience and that kind of stuff. That's not what we're trying to do as parents. So yeah, when we talk about Genesis, for example, with our kids, um, and we do read the Bible together, uh, children's Bibles and grown-up Bibles and all sorts. Uh, our kids, by the way, are eight and ten. We've got two girls. Um, and so we talk about it. Age eight and ten, they are at the age now where they're beginning to ask questions about, uh, I, mean, I mean, in fact, even before they started asking questions about it, I was telling them, some Christians think this, some Christians think that. Um, and, you know, uh, they've learned a little bit about um, evolution at school, uh, which I'm fine with. I think, uh, you know, that's great to be able to learn about that. Um, and so, yeah, we're... I, I try in an eight-year-old and a ten-year-old way and in a younger way when they were younger to talk about all of this so I don't want them to have a big 
shock later when they realize, oh, Christians have different ideas about some of these things. So I want them to understand that now and have questions about that now. And they'll make their minds up in an eight-year-old and 10-year-old way now about that stuff. And they'll go back and forth on it as they grow older, I expect, and that's okay. Um, so yeah, we try and have, we try and talk about everything in our family. Nothing's off limits. And we try and do it in a way that's accessible to everybody. We're encouraging them to question and make their own minds up about stuff. Um, which I think is the opposite of indoctrination, isn't it? I think that's good teaching. If we're encouraging questioning and thinking and making your own minds up about stuff, I think that's good teaching. Um, so I would think that's the, that's the way we're approaching this with our kids. We want to introduce them to Jesus. We want to help them learn about him and make their own minds up about him as they grow older. Well, David, you know, hey, you know, I had a question here and it's it's kind of directed at everybody here is like, you know, you, you kind of hammered him on this this for a while, uh, I guess, to get get to a certain point. But what was y'all's experience like? I know for me, it was a lot like David's in, in my church, but I've also experienced in other churches, obviously. In America, you can jump around if you want to. It's kind of like, you know, bar hopping in a way. But <laughs> but uh, you can uh, you go to other churches, and I've been to churches where it is like hammered on you. If you don't believe in six literal days, you're going to hell, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't hold to scripture the way you should and and you know it's out there so what are some of your experiences uh and, and why are you, why are you why were you and is that the reason why you're trying to you know get to this point that of you know the topic today is is that part of it well uh, so definitely um my experience would have been very much like that um and i uh, so i i also want to just Put the bug in the ear uh, in case it comes up again. I want it to come up again. Where Dave, you spoke of you know giving your kids uh, information, letting them decide for themselves. That is not a that's not a a, a thought that would have happened when I grew up. <laughs> there was okay. I, I don't I don't even know what that means. Uh, uh, quite mm. frankly, because uh, you know everyone was. Christian of some kind or another where I grew up and you didn't let kids decide for themselves whether there was a God and whether they were going to go to hell or not. That was, that's the, that's tantamount to what you'd be saying. It'd be like saying, well, you know, I will tell them about gravity, but I'll let them decide for themselves whether gravity is real. No, that's not, that wouldn't be teaching uh, at that point. That would be abrogating your responsibility. Uh, And so how do you walk that line uh, if you believe, uh, you know, very fundamentally that, uh, mm. you know, it is it is very necessary to believe in God and to make him uh, a part of your life in that there are consequences, uh, you know, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but there are consequences if you don't. Mm. How, how do you then say, uh, oh, I'll just let him decide for themselves? You know, what, what we would have said uh, to answer Dave's question, David's question, is that, uh, you're being an irresponsible parent if you did that. Yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge that I can't make anyone a Christian. That's absolutely impossible. I don't think anyone ever has been able to do that because being a Christian, I I think, is a personal decision to trust and follow Jesus. The only person that can decide that is the person themselves. 
at whatever it age. Does, and so it does tend to run in families, if, you know, in terms of Christian parents sure. tend to have Christian children, funnily enough, and Hindu parents have yeah. Hindu children. And so in terms of not making sure. them, I, th I think to some extent, I don't know how that can be true because demonst demonstrably they do kind of seem to follow family lines. Yeah. Parents, I think that's true. Parents are a massive influence on their kids, aren't they? Um, the biggest influence in their kids' lives for a long time. And, you know, so it's not surprising to see the kind of things you described there. I still think, though, that actually being a Christian is a personal choice. Uh, all those kids, whatever their experience was in those families growing up, they do make, you know, become adults at some point. They have to make a grown-up decision about that stuff at some point. Are they going to stick with what they were raised with or are they going to ditch it? And I think that's important. Everybody has the freedom to make that call. Are they going to trust and follow Jesus or not? Um, you know, and I think that's really important. And I, I think as a parent, it's important for me to realise that I don't make this decision ultimately for my kids. They make it. I, well, you I do have to set them up for, for uh, yeah. you have to set them up for success, right? Uh, and so you can say, well, I don't make them believe, but you take them to church every week. Um, you know, at what yeah. point do you tell your kids, OK, you have the option not to go to church anymore? Um, question. So I think, yeah, I'm making choices all the time about how to help my kids uh, in, with, in lots of ways about lots of things. And including, I think, what I would say is the biggest thing, uh, God, uh, I'm trying to help them navigate that and learn about him and make a response in their own way to him um so yeah uh, so yeah I'm, we're doing lots of things to help them in that way for example yeah taking them to church every week uh, when we're allowed to covid's kind of changed all that hasn't it but yeah we do an online thing every week at the moment and they enjoy that most of the time uh we have a bible on our breakfast table and most breakfasts we pick it up and read another chapter and have a little chat and some questions about it. Uh, you you we talk have, about God, I take it, right? Sure, lots. And you talk about God as a real as a real thing, <laughs> not as a you know maybe he's real, maybe he's not. You you you're teaching, uh, yeah. you're teaching them at a formative age in a way that they would believe that you were saying true things about the universe. And I'm not I'm not um, I'm not criticizing you for that yet. You know why I asked this question was because I saw y'all gravitating to the topic and I was like, right. hold on, I want to know why Dave got into youth ministry in the first place. Right. Well we're we're getting we're getting to the topic, but I just I uh, want to make sure I know, that that's why I wanted to like stop. Of, I wanted to get to know him. <laughs> sounds sounds you know, I just wanna I, I hear this a lot. Uh, from parents, we'll let them make up their own mind about that. But that that does in the in the world of reality that I'm familiar with. What that really means is that you're surrounding them with a set of information about the universe that you expect them to take as true, and uh, in their formative years. And of course, they're going to believe certain things. I, I find that uh, when I was a youth minister, and in fact, growing up uh, in the church, I was in the church um, all of my life. I started preaching at a very young age. Uh, so I was very much uh, a part of uh, the ministry. Uh, it was very rare for parents with kids, for their kids not to be baptized at some point. It was, it was very rare. 
Okay. It almost never happened uh, where we grew up. It was just a matter of when, uh, not a matter of if. And this is how churches tend to maintain uh, themselves. And churches begin to shrink uh, when they lose the ability to convert their kids over to lifelong members, uh, which did at some point uh, start to happen. But churches didn't grow because of great evangelistic efforts. Uh, mostly it was because they had a bunch of kids and the kids you know, carried on. So it wasn't, I just, I just, I, I just yeah. get a little bit, you know, um, I, I wonder what people mean when they say, well, I just, I just gave them the choice well, maybe to I could decide. Ask a question. Maybe I could ask you guys a question that might help us with this. So you know that I'm uh, a parent and you know that I believe God exists. Let's say that uh, for a minimum. Um, I'm a parent who thinks God is real and that he's really there and really made everything. What do you think is the healthiest thing that I could say to my children about that? I, How should I, what's a good I way to share should, that? With I think you that should probably do exactly what you're doing. I mean, if I believe that God was real, I'd do the okay. same thing that you were doing. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I think we agree then. Um, we're not indoctrinating our kids, if you, as long as you believe what I'm saying about what we do. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say that it's not indoctrination. I think that it's right to indoctrinate your kids if you really believe it. I yeah. think it's right for cult members to indoctrinate their kids into the cult if they really believe it. Uh, outsiders oh, call it rightfully call it indoctrination, but I think they absolutely should. So, I mean, it's I think bad maybe... teaching, bad teaching, and bad parenting too. To, well, to, so... if, if indoctrination is blind. Uh, obedience and unquestioning learning. I think that's bad teaching, bad parenting, and that's is a not, bad thing. That's not really that's not how, really how I define it. But let me let me just ask okay. a question that forward the conversation into into the topic a little bit. What do you think would be the consequences if your kids did not believe in God? Yeah. Well, that's already happening. I mean, our kids go to and fro a little bit, uh, sometimes from one day to the next. I mean, uh, we've had one of our girls wrote us a nice little message saying, I don't need my Bibles anymore, mummy and daddy. Uh, I've decided not to be a Christian. And she just left them all on our bed uh, and decided that's, that's, that's it for that me. That's very sad. And I'm laughing, so, but that's, that's very yeah. sad. So, <laughs> that, you know, that was a... We, we're not we're not massively thrown by that I think you know that's all part of the journey as they grow older figuring out what they think of this stuff and they've all they're young but they've bumped into plenty of people at school who believe different most of them do uh, you know uh, this is a we're living in a place where most people aren't religion and think religious people are a little bit backwards okay so but just fast, fast forward a little bit life. because you you're calling that a journey uh, so you think there's more to the, the journey i'm i'm asking you what is the sure. ultimate consequence of them growing up not believing in god yeah do i think it's life or death to trust and follow jesus or not yes eternal life and death yeah i do i think it's that important more important than gravity yeah okay so <laughs> um, when we when we get right down to that you would be an irresponsible parent if you yeah. didn't uh, teach them Sure. And and, and I don't I don't see any reason to, you know, use half words about that. You you teach your kids to the with the best teaching methods, you know, toward a particular end that you think will save their lives and souls. That's what you should do as a parent. Um, that's what I, that's what I think you should do as a parent. You should just say that proudly. Yeah. And 
I think you're right, but I think how you do that is important. And I think it's something that should always be proposed and not imposed. That's a distinction I would make. And I can't impose it anyway. The person has to make their own mind up ultimately. But yeah, as a parent, I do feel that I have a responsibility to teach my kids about what I feel is important. I think every parent does that, uh, every good parent anyway. Uh, what we think is important is relationship with God. And we think that's real and possible for anyone. So we want to tell our kids about that, of course. And we want to give them uh, the opportunity to make their own decision about that, even from day to day. So, I mean, we, when they say, I don't think this is true anymore, I'm not, I don't think God's real. We accept that. And we say, okay, yeah, what's making you think that today? You know, and let, let's hear what you're thinking about that. What's your questions? You know, and if they've got questions for us, we'll try and help them. Uh, so that's part of the journey. Uh, we want to, our, our job as parents is not to raise Christians. I don't think we can do that. Our job as parents, I think, is to introduce our kids to Jesus and help them make their own response to him. Okay, so let's get into some of the discussion. We can skip the the introduction and the cult bit. We'll we'll talk about that in okay. the in the comments. Um, I sure hope we talk about that in the comments. The commenters are. I, I hope you hang around uh, throughout the week uh, and meet some of the commenters. <laughs> it's it's a lot okay. of fun. Uh, Russell uh, is too wise to go into the comments very often, but uh, I always uh, invite the guests to <laughs> to uh, to come in and meet the animals in the pit. Um, they're a, they're a fun crew, and um, sometimes there are even very good and thought provoking. Uh, conversations. And so I'm going to leave the first part of uh, the blog uh, to the comments and just get into this age of accountability question. So if you believe that yep. at some point in life, there are dire consequences to rejecting God, mm -hmm. can, can you give us an idea of when that is, when those dire consequences start? Now, you said your, your daughters were eight and 10. Mm -hmm. I will tell you now, and this will make me seem like a bit of a monster um, or make my parents seem like a bit of a monster, I'm not sure. But um, I think a lot of people uh, at churches that I attended growing up would say that if if they died today, somehow their soul would be in danger uh, mm -hmm. of being lost. And I, I think they they would hedge on that a little bit, but they would definitely say you're you're in the. You're, you're in the territory of age of accountability because you know the difference between right and wrong uh, mm -hmm. at eight years old and 10 years old. Uh, and so let me just ask, do you have some sense of when that when that clock uh, runs out for them, uh, that, that innocence clock where they can kind of get away with things and they don't have to face ultimate consequences? Uh, the short answer is no. And I don't think there necessarily is an age I don't think there's, a, I mean, there's certainly nothing in the Bible saying by this age or anything like that. So I, I think, I mean, in the blog, you said uh, that try as I might to get Christians to give me a precise age, I can't get them to do it. I think the reason is because there isn't one. There isn't a precise age. Uh, and this is this is the classic, isn't it? Are, are they in until they're out or are they out until they're in kind of a question? Um, Christians differ on that. Uh, Christians have different ideas there. And my honest answer is I don't know myself. What I would say is um, I do trust God to do the right thing by everybody. Ultimately, um, I don't know all the answers about what he will do with this person or that person. 
I do trust him to do the right thing by every person and to do justice by every person ultimately. Um, I think the best thing I can do, I've just written a thought here, the best thing I can do, I think, as a Christian parent is teach my kids about Jesus, encourage them um, to ask all their questions, as we've said, and to make their own response to him. And after all of that, I trust God to do the right thing by my kids. Um, so that's where I'm at. I can't give you an age, and I don't think there necessarily is one either, which is maybe why you struggle to find people able to tell you. But it's the most important thing, the, the age where you go from you're going to hell or you're not going to hell for your, because of some, some certain beliefs that you have, is surely mm -hmm. the most important thing on this earth. In fact, nothing else matters, no election, no economy, nothing. It's the mm -hmm. only thing that matters and you don't know when it is and you couldn't demonstrate when it would be. I find that a bit of an issue because that's what I... I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Similar to you. Yeah. Uh, I, I was saying to you, it's kind of, it's going to be a bit different for each person. Uh, I think as, as soon as you're old enough to understand what you're rejecting, then maybe you're, you're culpable and you, mm. you know, but really it, it's bananas to send a 14 year old to a conscious, you know, some sort of eternal conscious torment because of some beliefs yeah. that they did or didn't have at 14 is borderline insane. And yeah, yeah. That, I know what you're saying. That's, a, that's the sort of thing I can't. I can't even, I, this is the whole evangelical side of it is a little bit difficult for me to stomach because that's what my sure. background was as well. It's exactly the same. I was told about Genesis in the same way. I was allowed to make my own decisions. There wasn't that much mm -hmm. pressure, secular environment in the UK. Um, you rub up a lot against lots of different people, but I had those same understandings and I categorically rejected them on my way out of faith because um, there is mm -hmm. ways of viewing that even as a Christian. Uh, where you don't believe in some sort of eternal conscious torment or mm -hmm. people going to hell or anything. So, I mean, I went to the liberal side of Christianity before I just thought, can't even be bothered with that anymore. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't understand how, how people have that thinking. You don't know when this is going to happen. It's the most important thing. And you have no mm -hmm. idea when your child crosses that, or even if it exists. I mean, I, I don't know. It's not demonstrably true. It's not, you can't, you can't. No, so, I mean, there's a few things to respond to there. I think um, maybe it'd be helpful to compare this question with a, another question, and that would be, like, uh, I, I don't know if we're all parents, actually, are we? Um, I am not. Okay, so, I mean... I was a foster parent for about 10 minutes, but... Um, I, got a, okay. I, got a, I don't think I got that counts. an infant <laughs> upstairs and a 15-year-old, so, and cool. I've got a 14-year-old... Boy and a five-year-old boy, so two girls, two boys. I understand, uh, uh, Sarah. I, I mean, if I could just real quick, I mean, you do know when they hit that age because you could see their maturity levels developing. I don't know if that helps, but I mean, I think that's where you know the parent realizes. Not, I don't think it's like not, something. Maybe I'm not. Well, but, but Peg is saying not that there's, there's no such What's that? But not for an eternal decision. You cannot make an eternal decision at the age of 14, 15, 16. So I don't even know when you can make an eternal decision. Okay. So I, I, understand, I understand some people are <laughs> <Never>. mature. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, okay. Hey, uh, uh, I'll let Dave answer. I, I just wanted to throw that in there. I don't want to yeah. steal the money. No, I, I agree with you, Des. <laughs> Okay, Russell, you were entirely too nice. You need to steal the mic more often. Um, oh, I'm, I'm going to make you ruthless before you're before we're done. 
I was going to ask us, at what age do we think it's appropriate to teach children that they need to apologise for something they've done wrong and ask uh, and say sorry and ask for forgiveness from another human being? Well, we train them from a very early age as pa Pavlovian dogs, I should think. <laughs> yeah. We tell them that's what they do. And some of them just do it re reactively. And over time, they'll they'll maybe grow to understand what it is. But I think you you turn you treat them you teach them to do that like you do to say thank you when they're given a drink or or whatever. That's some right. Of it's just yeah. it's just conditioning. It's just condi I don't yeah. think there's anything massively. Um, and I I've read you know from my research from my understanding it's uh, psychologists reckon it's not until age seven that a child can feel genuine remorse for something they've done wrong. <laughs> um, but we teach our kids to say sorry long before age seven, don't we? Uh, I hope we do. Um, so I think that's healthy. Like I say, it is conditioning. Um, and at some point, that it's a rehearsal for something, isn't it? I think as those children grow older and they do feel genuine remorse for things they know they've done wrong, they know how to respond to that because it's in them that we've, we've, been, we've been able to cultivate that response to doing something wrong and they know how okay, to so apologize just, and how to ask for forgiveness and they know how to give it as well. You, you have a, you, there's an inconsistency in your answers though and I just want to tease that out to make sure that the inconsistency isn't my misunderstanding sure, of something. It's a partial so, answer. We're not talking about eternal things are we? We can get to that well, in a minute. Well, no, no, I just I just want to make sure that I'm not uh, straw manning your position. Okay. Uh, so uh, when I ask what the consequences were for rejecting God, if you thought there were consequences there, you gave me uh, some consequences. You did say that there was um, um, some consequences yeah. to that if, if, if there was an ultimate rejection of God. That means that if they die at some point, Whenever that point is, so let's just say that there is some point that when they die, if they have not accepted God, then those consequences would go into effect. So let's just say, for the sake of argument, that age 50, if they die at 50, rejecting God, and they're in good sound mind and so forth, they're, they're, they're in line for those consequences. And if they die at eight, they're mm -hmm. not. Uh, in line for those consequences. Uh, so you are you are saying that there is some point that when they there's there's a death age where those consequences kick in. There is something that where the clock turns or something turns within them where the consequences kick in. And what what the age of accountability is is this idea that whatever that age is, there is this age where they become accountable and responsible and will have to stand uh, before this judgment seat of God mm -hmm. uh, and give an account. Uh, and so I can't quite let it go that you say, well, you know, there there is no age of accountability. But mm -hmm. I, I think then you're misunderstanding what I'm talking about then. Because Do you want you, a number? Want, I think there well, is one. If, but if you, understand, <laughs> if you understand what I just said, uh, yeah. Eight, probably too young. Fifty, uh, probably old enough. Somewhere in there, uh, they get hit by a bus. They're going to have to answer to God. All right. Sure. So, uh, in in and it sounds like you're just trying to get out of having to think about that. No. And so, so right. I I just I just want to make sure that that 
we actually think about that because you understand that a large part of the religious world has thought about that. And they do, uh, even if they don't have a specific age, age 12, for instance, uh, they do know that somewhere in there, there's a clock in uh, somewhere between uh, eight and 20, uh, there's, there's, you know, something changes fundamentally. And I'm trying to at least get you to acknowledge that and if you don't acknowledge that, then I don't know what you mean by their consequences if they don't accept God. Yeah, there are plenty of people and there are plenty of Christians, as you say, that really do believe in an age, I suppose. Uh, I'm just saying I don't. I don't think there is a number. I, I would say maybe it's more about stage than age. Um, and also, we're forgetting this in this conversation so far. Uh, there are plenty of Christians who don't think there is a change at all. There's plenty of Christians who would say, uh, they would quote that part of the Bible where David says, surely I was sinful from my mother's womb. And they would say, no, there's no in until you're out. There's plenty of people, Christians, who would say everybody is out until they're in, even from birth. So then there's no stage of age of accountability. That doesn't even feature in the conversation because they think... There's also no, no agreement yeah. as to what is true. Well, but if you That's say the there's no in until they're out... Yeah, Christians differ on this. Yeah. There's a point where they're out. <laughs> and and you're, you believe that yeah. there's a point where uh, people will suffer the consequences of not accepting God. Now, if you, can't, if you can't say when that point is, then it's meaningless to say that there's consequences. Why should anyone ever accept God if there's never a, a time when those consequences kick in? Okay. It doesn't so make any sense. So uh, the, the sure and certain point at which a person really has to answer to God, I would believe, is when they die, regardless of when they die. So I think... Uh, and by the way, I need to say this. I know I'm not a Christian who believes that hell is eternal and conscious. Um, I believe hell uh, is fundamentally about being away from God. I think it's proportional punishment. I don't think everybody has the same experience of it. I think it's ultimate justice. Uh, no one gets away with anything. Everyone gets no more and no less than what they deserve. The big question here is what does a person really deserve? from God and that I think that's what we're really talking about that's the question I would ask is if God is supposed to be just and loving what do we think he's likely to do if he's real with a five-year-old who dies with an eight-year-old okay. who dies so you're saying we're always accountable uh, I just I just want to yeah. make sure I understand that we're Why always accountable even even at two you're, you're accountable for something yeah, well, I don't think God would expect the same of a two-year-old as he would with an adult. Well, that that's be... fine, but, but you're, uh, but you're always expect... accountable. Yeah, I think he'll do okay. the right thing by the two-year-old who dies. That's all I'm saying. He'll do the right thing by the two-year-old and by the baby who dies in the womb even. He'll do the right thing. Now, it'll be a different kind of uh, right thing than the adult who dies and has rejected anything from God. Um, do you see what I mean? Babies are different from adults. I think that's obvious. And I think God knows it Not too. Not really. And he'll, do, no. he'll treat them differently. I don't, I don't see what you mean because I don't see, for instance, a four-year-old um, capable of doing anything that uh, would be... They can do things that would annoy me. <laughs> they can do yeah. things that would get me to raise, it, raise my voice. Uh, I promise they can. Um, but they can't do anything that would make me uh, want to send them to jail. 
they can't do anything that would make me uh, think that they should, you know, suffer some kind of penalty in juvie. Uh, that's so, simply not right. possible. And so if, if you're saying, well, they would be judged based on what, you know, some criteria, there is no criteria that you judge a four-year-old. Somebody has a pet cemetery in a while. No, just, yeah. well, I think yeah. you're talking about Stephen King earlier. It just came to mind. Yeah, no, sure. But I mean, you see what I mean, though. There's a, there's a, there's a real divide here that I'm having a hard time understanding. Uh, what is it? What does it mean to judge um, a child who is too young to be spanked? <laughs> I mean, I don't think that you should be spanking any child. But what what does that even sure. mean? I mean, my short answer again is going to be I don't know, but I do think that God does know the right thing to do with a baby who dies. Okay, so do you think that, you know, and I don't, I don't want to make this about your kids, and I, and I do want to move on, but, uh, you know, just using age of 10, um, that, that's kind of a nice middle age. Um, do, do you think that there are things that 10-year-olds who have died will be punished by God for? Yeah. Is it possible for a 10-year-old to knowingly do something that is wrong. Yeah, absolutely. All parents know that. <laughs> okay. And and you believe it's possible and, and we'll for really a 10 year old? Do they really know, or have they not got their mylon sheep on their head yet? That's like nah, they know. Frontal, their frontal they cortex. They, they know. No, but really <laughs> know, know in the sense of understand the full implications and the reasons why you don't just keep eating sweets or whatever because it rots your teeth and they you know they can't grasp those concepts really they maybe know they've done okay. something wrong but they're not they don't really understand the whole the whole experience i, I don't want to i don't want to be a snob and play the parent card but i think every parent knows uh kids are not innocent they knowingly no. sin absolutely they 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 may not understand fully the consequences of their actions you know you, you exactly. learn that as you grow older don't you but but they That's do understand uh, they they deliberately do things they know are wrong absolutely so yeah so if, I could, real, just, if i could real quick hold on, hold on. Yep. yeah and if i could real quick dave you're, you're saying that you know god will judge them not upon the whole thing but on what they know is that what you're yeah. saying he'll treat them at their age you won't judge the full concept, but to what they know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. My short answer is he'll do the right thing by everybody. So you believe that there's a child, a children's hell? Because in the write-up, I, yeah. I jokingly said something about, you know, this is the conversation of the, uh, of the nursery in hell. Um, you actually believe that? You believe that there is a no. version of hell? I don't think there's a children's hell. Uh, is that what you're asking me? No. Yeah, I mean, is do you think that children will be in some version of hell? Uh, I could say yes to that, but we'd really have to understand what I mean by hell. Okay, well, whatever your understanding of hell is, do you think that it will be populated uh, to some degree with 10-year-olds? Yeah. Okay. So let me explain what I mean by hell, though, because Take I think all the it's, time really, you like. it's massively, <laughs> mis it's massively up, misunderstood. Oh. It's hugely misunderstood. I think, uh, I mean, this is very, very basic in my mind. I think 
if there's a God who created everything that we have to answer to when we die, I think if he's good, he will do the right thing by every person. Now, what I believe uh, about what I deserve from a God like that is that uh, I could be in some trouble. If he's going to do the right thing by me, I don't deserve to live with him forever, certainly. And I might deserve a lot worse than that. Uh, if I'm going to be okay with the creator of the universe, I'm, ha I'm banking on some undeserved kindness from that God. I, I don't deserve or earn God. Um, so what I'm saying about hell is that it's, uh, it's justice. That means it's right even if we don't know what that looks like for each person and what age they are and what we're talking about today. But I, I fundamentally trust God to do the right thing by everybody, which is partly why I think that um, hell is something that is not necessarily fire, certainly not eternal, although lots of Christians do believe that. And I think it's proportional, no more and no less than what each person rightly deserves from God. I think he does the right thing by everybody. All I'm saying is, I don't want what I deserve. I want uh, grace and kindness from God. Or I'm stuffed. At age 43, I know I am. Uh, I, I know that if God gives me what I deserve, that's not good. What do you deserve? Uh, I, I'm, what is it you deserve? Uh, for being human, I might add. Just, just for being human, for having failings, for messing up. For the thing is, I'm not just human. I'm not just human, am I? I'm a human that's made plenty of wrong choices on purpose. I've hurt people. I've said hurtful things. I've done hurtful things. I've deceived and I've lied and I've stolen. I've been unfaithful and in all sorts of ways. So uh, I'm, I'm way more than human. I'm bad in lots of ways. And I've done some good things too. Um, but Do you teach your kids that to... they're bad? Uh Sinners, broken. Yeah, we use the word sinners. Only, only good if, if they know Jesus and through Jesus. And right, well, sinners is bad, right? <laughs> no, we wouldn't say, no, Sarah, we wouldn't say that. Um, okay, so because I word, heard you, I heard the, the way you were sinner. describing yourself, and I and I and I worry about you. Yeah. <laughs> so because <laughs> you shouldn't good, you mate. shouldn't think that way about yourself, no. and I would hate that your kids think that way about themselves. No, I, I mean it's a mix. I've used the word mixed bag a lot, haven't I? Uh, it's true of every individual too. I know that I'm good in lots of ways and I've done good in lots of ways, but I also know that I'm imp certainly imperfect. That's probably the kindest word I could use about every human being, including myself. I'm imperfect. I've failed in lots of ways and I've done so on purpose. And if there's a God who's gonna hold me accountable for that, then I should expect some kind of consequence. I certainly shouldn't expect to get to live forever with God. Um, a person like me, why would he allow that? If he's, if he's just, I would think he's, he's perfectly entitled to end me if he wants to. And I'm okay with that. Um, but if there's, a, if there's a hope of living forever, that's not going to be because I'm good enough for God. That's going to only be because he wants to be kind to me for some reason. Uh, and that's what I believe as a Christian. I think he does want to be kind to people. Um, he does want to offer them forgiveness and friendship with him forever. Uh, but I just don't think that's something we get to earn. 
And so the uh, the flip side of that is, what do we deserve then? If he's if we don't get his kindness, I think we get no more and no less than what we each deserve. And what the details of that looks like for each person, uh, whatever age. Will do the right thing. You must have some idea of what you think the punishment is, because if the punishment, say, was a slap on the wrist for murder, you wouldn't worry about it, right? Um, you I wouldn't mean, care if your kids the murdered only thing because I can be it's, sure. just gonna, it's, it's just a minor thing. So you must have some idea of what you think these sins deserve. It's ultimately death, isn't it? And that's where it ends. That's where it's going for every person who rejects that kindness from God, I think, if it's real and true, is they get death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So they don't get to live forever. They end. Can you talk about some of the sins that you think that, um, say, 10-year-olds would do? I mean, I, I once sure, again made a, made a kind of a joking list in the blog. Folks, you can read the blog at skepticsandseekers.squaredspace.com. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I feel like, you know, you look at a list like that and take it very seriously. What, what do you think some of the sins a, a small children can commit that, that you consider sins. Was this where there was lust, lust three times? Well, there, look, let me tell you, yeah, you so lust at a very early age. <laughs> there was age. a lot of lust. <laughs> <laughs> you were trying to your 14-year-old self, I'm sure. But. 14? Mm. Are you kidding? Eight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about wondering. it. Um, what, what, you know, you look at a you look at a average ten year old, and you're thinking, "There's a sinner right there. He's guilty of what?" Um, so, I mean, I'm wondering what the point of this question is. Well, it, it's I'm, isn't I'm it obvious that ten year olds can do things wrong. I suppose, what do you, yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you mean by wrong? Yeah, because I've got a feeling that we have a different ideas about wrong. If, if you mean, can a 10 year old, um, you know, pull somebody's hair and run? Uh, yes, a 10 year old can do that. I don't know that that is uh, outside of the parameters of a normal 10 year old. So I don't right. even know that normal I would call that wrong. Normal 10 year plenty wrong. <laughs> well, wait a bit, but if, if it's, Inside of the normal operating parameters, I don't think I would call it wrong. Uh, so once again, I think that I think that you're okay. thinking in terms of wrong in a kind of hyper-religious way that a secularist would not. A good parent wouldn't respond that way. If I see one of my girls uh, pulling the other's hair or punching them or kicking them, I don't respond by saying, oh, that's normal. All kids do that. That's fine. It's not fine, it's wrong, and it needs to stop. And they do need to learn that that's wrong as well. There needs to be discipline, loving discipline, sure, but there does need to be consequences so that to, in order to help them learn that that's not okay and not acceptable in our house and so on. And so, yeah, I, I, it's I don't not, believe it's not that behavior we don't you want there's to foster, anything wrong. But it's not abnormal, it's not broken. They're not broken for, for kids fight. They're not broken for fighting. Uh, and so you wouldn't, you wouldn't take your kids to a child psychiatrist uh, because, you know, they got in a spat. This no. is what they do. Um, now, you can, obviously, you want to um, uh, mold their behavior in a way that's going to be uh, 
socially beneficial to them and others, but to to suggest that you know they're bad in some way, that they're tainted, broken, uh, out of warranty, or or some such because they they you know siblings had a rivalry. I, no, I don't see that at all, and I certainly wouldn't call that sin. And I I have How a feeling that you imperfect? would. No, I don't call that. Imperfect? No, I would think that a kid ever had a sibling that that would be kind of imperfect. I would wonder what was wrong with him. It, it's again, perfectly sorry. If yeah, if they perfect. never had some kind of argument or tete a tete with their sibling, that would be imperfect in my opinion. I would wonder what was wrong with them. Uh, but the fact that kids behave in these ways that uh, are somewhat uh, antisocial in ways that they need to be, you know, trained from uh, doing, uh, that's not wrong in the sense that I think you're talking about. Uh, okay. That's just a part of that's natural development. Uh, you know, when a when a toddler uh, starts you know, toddling and you say, no, don't go over there. And they go over there anyway, because they're curious. Um, they're, that, that's not wrong. That's okay. toddling. I think we disagree okay. about right and wrong. Okay. We do. <laughs> I think we do, yeah. which is, which okay. is, which I mean, is I why think there I is, kind of put the question in there. <laughs> I think, um, I think children are very capable of doing things that they know are wrong. And I think God does the right thing by those people. By the way, I don't tell my kids, that they are bad, uh, I tell them the opposite uh, frequently. But I do tell my kids um, that they do things that are bad, uh, certainly, and I want them to understand when their actions are bad and hurtful and harmful, especially when they're doing them on purpose. But I mean, even when they're doing them by accident, I want them to understand it too. I want them, I want them to apologize for accidentally hurting someone's feelings. I think that's important as well. So I just, uh, in all of this, I'm saying I think that God does the right thing by children, by babies, by grown-ups who die and face him. I think he does the right thing. I think he does the loving thing as well. Yeah. So you think that a four-year-old who takes a cookie from an open cookie dish uh, on, a, on the coffee table uh, after they've been told not to is sinning? Uh, yeah. Okay. We, we fundamentally disagree. They're knowing and, I, and I, I think that, that, I think that is a very, I think that's a twisted and warped sense of right and wrong and good and evil. That's not evil. What would a loving parent do with that child that stole when they knew it was wrong? It's why did you tell them? Yeah, why did you tell social? Yeah, but why? Why did you tell them not to do it in the first place? And I know Sarah just said pro-social. Exactly. Okay. Right. Also, as yeah. a parent, though, you shouldn't have left uh, the cookies on a coffee table where it's low enough for a four-year-old to get to, uh, and not put it away somewhere <laughs> they, where they couldn't. That's on you. That's not on the kid. I'm sorry. And that's they didn't do anything uh, sinful or evil by doing that. If you think that it's evil, that's that's very warped. Like you said, it's and also I, I could, me too. I, I mean, we're not. I'm we're concerned. not. We're not. Hey, we're not. We're not. We're not exempting ourselves from this process no. either. <laughs> so, I mean, we're, we're, you know, when I say don't get the cookie and they get the cookie, they did wrong. I may have did wrong by they putting didn't it in do, the place they, they didn't get do it. They, they do, do didn't evil. Russell, okay. do you think they well, did Those are two different categories. They're two different categories. Well, not, no, it's not. They're not wrong if you say right it's sin. And, and, well, no, no, and, no, 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 but Peg said it was sin. That would be evil. Did they do evil by taking the cookie or not? Because I'm, I'm just 
putting my colors to the mask and saying, if you think that a four-year-old did evil by taking the cookie, you're warped. We need to define these words. Yeah. Or indoctrinated. In fact, we haven't we haven't actually defined indoctrinated. We should all maybe have a stab at what we think indoctrination is, because I had a it's actually quite difficult to uh, to pin it down because it seems to be I mean you can get indoctrinated by your own culture. By you can be indoctrinated in the mm -hmm. military, you can be indoctrinated by your school. It's basically you, you three take it away for just a moment. I've got to get up for just a second. So it's um, um it's basically uh, a passing on of beliefs. So it's not like education when you're where you're giving somebody some uh, information that's you know scientifically demonstrable or anything like that. It's it's a it's a conveying of belief, uh, and I guess we mm -hmm. all do that, and all parents would do that with children. So and then in some ways. Everyone is indoctrinating their child because you're teaching them your values and your and your views. So um, I think we flip into it. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think when there's coercion um, and when there's a lot of emotion tied to it, then that's when it can be a bit dangerous. So um, mm -hmm. it's when you're trying to teach a subjective matter with the intention that it's to be, be believed regardless of the evidence. Uh, or you're forcing belief and you're stopping and thwarting any sort of adult reasoning and trying to control mm -hmm. uh, when you're yeah tethering a lot of emotion and identity to people uh, and particularly ex existential fears and things like that. It kind of blurs with co coercion. But I think most parents are obviously believing that they are teaching their children the best, um, but... Uh, and it, it is a bit of a form of indoctrination, but we all we all do it. I don't actually think we can get get away from that. So I think I would um, um, I, I would think I would say in, indoctrination is always a pejorative term. It's always negative. Yes. No no one says, yeah, we try and indoctrinate our kids. We, we think it's really important and good. No one says that. We can use, um, we can use inculcate. Inculcate, okay, and it's actually probably a very similar yeah. word where you say oh, and inculcate. Teach. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we use the word teach. That's good, but I think yeah. I think indoctrination is uh, a bad way of teaching. And I think the way that indoctrination is bad is that it's unquestioning. Um, it's an un it's expecting an unquestioning learning, and I think that's just yeah. bad teaching. No one yeah, would, I, no one would say I indoctrinate my kids, and I'm proud of that because we know indoctrination yeah. is bad. It's unquestioning, uh, and I don't I think we would probably all agree about that, that, that indoctrination is a bad thing in that way. Um, and so, yeah, let's not do it as parents. I think we agree. Okay, well, so let's uh, just say that Heaven's Gate uh, cult was still well, around. Just, and and let's, say, let's say it's not a suicide cult, or maybe, <laughs> I, you know, so it, this, is very, <laughs> this is very way out there because uh, suicide cults um, are self-correcting problems. Um, but, but let's just say <laughs> that... Um, uh, Applegate and uh, his followers are still uh, around and they wanted to, uh, you know, pass down their teachings to their kids. And let's say that you couldn't go out to the Hellbot Comet until you were 21. Uh, and so there was, um, you know, there was an active, you know, passing down the culture and tradition to the kids. Uh, would you accuse them of indoctrinating their kids? Uh, simply because they're a crazy wackadoo cult or would you be as generous and say oh they're just teaching i don't really know the applegate cult so I don't well know you know that. substitute that with any cult that you uh, have in mind i think you understand the question 
we do have to define cult there, don't we? Um, I don't, I don't actually world, you think care. Whatever, I, no, I don't, I don't actually care. Whatever you think of as a cult. Okay. Uh, I, think, I think you can answer the question as intended. Uh, sure, so okay. So I think I'm not going to let you off that is, easy. <laughs> sure. So I think cult is like the word indoctrination in that it's always pejorative. It's always negative. No one says, hey, I'm in a cult. It's brilliant. No, it's usually people outside the cult that describe it as one. Because a cult is a negative word to use. Okay, to do you believe there are cults? Uh, oh, sure, absolutely. Cults? Okay, great. Then we, then we don't need to go through that diversion. Uh, just answer the question. I don't mean it to be uh, a diversion. I'm trying to clarify our terms here. Yeah, no, not not necessary. Whatever you think of a cult, you, you, you've got that in your mind. Uh, when cult members pass down that teaching to their children, are you as generous in saying, uh, oh, well, they're just teaching? If they're doing it... Uh, in a way that uh, gives children uh, freedom to make their own minds up about what they're learning, then I think that's great. That's good teaching, that's good parenting, and not indoctrination. If it's expecting an unquestioning uh, belief from those children as they grow older, then that I would define as indoctrination, and I would say that's bad. And Okay, yeah. but what if, the, what if the parents are telling them that you're going to die a fiery death if you don't uh, do the things that uh, we say that you should do. Uh, now, yes, we're going to leave it to you to make up your mind, but you're going to die a bad death, um, and it's going to be painful and awful. And, uh, you know, that, that, that feels like what I would call indoctrination. Now, you're saying that wouldn't be indoctrination, or I don't know if you're saying it would be, but that's, you know, to, to kind of waffle into... In uh, fudge between well, you know, one is teaching and one is doc indoctrination. I think it very much depends on what it is you're teaching uh, the kids. No, I think it depends on how you're teaching it, because indoctrination is bad teaching. It's not about the content of the teaching; it's about how you're teaching it. That's why it's important to understand think, the words when we discuss things. Yeah, yeah. It really I is. What, what I have in my head may yeah. be thoroughly different from what you've got in your head, and that's why we need to explain our terms before we can agree or disagree. Exactly. You might think you know what I'm thinking, but you don't until I've explained myself. So this is what I mean by indoctrination. It's bad teaching because it's expecting an unquestioning belief uh, from the hearer. And I think that's what is meant by the word indoctrination. And I think we agree that it's a bad thing. Okay, but I would, I would actually define it differently by using coercion uh, as your teaching. So okay. you're saying it's, it's uh, trying to... Um, what was your definition? Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it was um, unquestioning belief. Uh, unquestioning belief. Okay. Well, that's. I, I can. We can talk about unquestioning belief, but I think that you get that unquestioning belief by coercion, and when coercion is your method, yeah. then it's what I would consider indoctrination. And there are many ways to coerce, and so one of those ways to coerce is to is to uh, teach. Uh, dire consequences if you don't do what I say or believe what I am teaching you. That would be coercive and thus, uh, as I use the word, indoctrination. So can you tell me the difference between that and healthy parenting with boundaries? I would say indoctrination is when it circumvents reasoning and imparts a way of thinking based on something other than evidence. That's maybe what we could, you could say. And it does involve, it can be coercive. 
um, mm-hmm. but it's it's about imparting value. So I think I think it's always a grey area indoctrination. It's always difficult, but I think it, if it affects your ability to reason, and I think when you've mm-hmm. got the Damocles of hell hanging over you, it can affect it. When it's uh, when it's linked to identity, it can affect your ability to reason. Um, because you're not totally free to do so. You can't totally explore ideas of whether God exists or not when you believe there's some sort of eternal punishment hanging over you. That, that does, that's where I think it does cross the line. In terms of telling children to be good and that kind of thing, that's just inculcating your values and beliefs, um, which isn't necessarily based on evidence as such, but it's, it's uh, something that we all do. Yeah, and I, I think I agree. Uh, I mean, we all do do it, and th- it's very, it's very hard. Who gets to define the terms of reason and when it goes too far? You know, I think we all have a, a an expectation of it that is pretty common. Uh, David says that we would all disagree, but <laughs> I think we would come to say, hey, yeah, there is there's a point where it does go too far. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm totally on, on board. I think that that's the case. But who gets to define it? And and not only that, but like, you know, where are kids not going to go or where are they going to go where they're not going to learn that ideas have consequences? OK, so yeah. just like the Christian faith, there's consequences for rejecting it. Well, there's also consequences for rejecting the law in society, and there's gonna there can be harsh punishment for it. I mean, they're gonna, they, you know, we have to inoculate our kids to. Well, but I have a, I have no problem with coercing children, uh, or even using the word indoctrinating children to be law-abiding citizens. I, I don't okay. I don't actually shrink from that threat. that word in the same way. Um, I think well, that there the are point? things. I think that there are things worth uh, using coercion to do. Uh, I don't want to see my children, uh, my my uh, fake children that I don't have. I don't want to see my children uh, run out of run out in the road, uh, chasing a ball without looking both ways and getting hit by a bus. Uh, and so I am going to I am going to let them know, in the strongest of terms, what the consequences are and why they shouldn't do it. And if I catch them doing it, you know, provided they don't get hit by a bus, I'm going to punish them in some way to to try to implant this idea that you should not do that. I think it's worth it. Uh, now you can say, well, I'm indoctrinating my children uh, to not get hit by buses. And, and I would say, fine, uh, I, I'm okay with that. Uh, and I would say in in the same way, uh, and this is this is not saying that this is what you uh, do, Dave Peck. I don't know you. I don't know how how you do, but I know how it was done where where I grew up. Uh, parents mm-hmm. would uh, maintain their kids in the church largely through coercive means, in the same way that I would say a cult does it. Uh, and this is why I have no problem uh, calling it cult-like behavior and uh, indoctrination, because we're using that coercion and we're using those scare tactics. Uh, you know, the, the devil's going to get you. Hell's going to get you. You're going to, you, uh, you know, and it's it's those types of things um, that uh, cause young children who are not entirely sure what is real in the world and what is not. Uh, to be manipulated in these ways, and so yeah, that would be that would be something that I would call indoctrination. But if you don't like the term indoctrination, I would just say uh, manipulation or coercion. 
we I'm, I'm sure we can find a term that we would agree with but you know you would call it teaching uh and it's one thing you know i can teach my child that the alabama crimson tide is the best college football team ever and you should cheer for them <laughs> but i'm going to give you your choice and if you want to if you want to root for auburn you can do that and i will buy, buy you an auburn t-shirt um you're bad if you do uh but i will but i will do that that's that's different i can i can teach them about my passions but i'm never mm-hmm. going to coerce anyone to to cheer for my team but i will coerce someone uh, to obey the, the safety laws and not run out of the street uh, and get risk, uh, risk getting hit by a car. And I think that this is this is kind of the difference that I see uh, in Christian homes. You understand yeah, the, this difference. Yeah, but you, David, you're, what you're saying is just what I said. There's a spectrum. There's a spectrum. There's a there's there's a limit. And that's what we're trying to to get across that there is this actual limit. There is a limit to what you know what could be coercive and and there are people that do abuse it there are people that do bash their kids over the head and and make them and scare them to death but then there's parents that do what peg's telling us to do and and you know inoculate our children versus indoctrinate and i think that's the best way because these are these are questions that mankind have has pondered since the beginning of time they're going to learn it from somewhere they're going to learn uh, the different religions at some point, they're going to engage with that. And I, I, I want my kids to be prepared to engage with different, different cultures, different systems. And I'm going to teach them that I'm going to teach them what some cults believe that are very prominent in the United States. I'm going to teach them what Christianity is. I'm going to teach them whatever I can, <laughs> because I believe in learning. I'm sending them out to school every day to learn, to learn stuff, you know, so they're going to get lessons at home and lessons in school they're going to get lessons everywhere so i don't see the problem i see the problem when you do i I see a problem there is a and we'll probably have a disagreement on what level is too far and and how far we take it but i do think there's an abuse that can happen and that does happen and it's unfortunate but it does so let's go this is this is toward the the end of uh my notes let's go there you mentioned uh there's an abuse that can happen uh you know i i put it in the blog a little game show truth or abuse um and uh this is this is a thing that um uh i i think is is sensitive uh i don't have all of the answers i i personally uh do not believe that Christian education, uh, when I say Christian education, I don't mean education about religion per se. I mean um, teaching a child to be a Christian. I don't think that should be um, legal. And I don't think that children should be allowed to make a commitment at the age, for instance, uh, Peg, that you and I uh, made a commitment. I think that that's uh, tantamount to getting kids to sign contracts. Um, and so I, I do, I think there should be an, a, a legal age for religious profession, if you will. Um, wow. that, that said, um, what age would you have? Uh, I, 18 in the States, uh, 18, because 18 is just kind of the the de facto age that we use as adulthood, although it's not the ultimate age for something. So for instance, uh, in some places you can't buy cigarettes unless you're 21. Um, 
so you know you can you can join the army and die for your country at 18 but you can't smoke <laughs> when you do it um so it's there's there's some inconsistencies um there but i would say 18 and why would i say that because that's in general the age that we consider a person uh an independent adult at that time and you can make adult decisions making religious professions is an adult decision i'm gonna disagree massively oh, of course <laughs> 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 I would yes, be disappointed so if you let's, didn't. <laughs> let's not teach our kids what we believe and stuff like that. What are we supposed to teach them then? I mean, I, if we're not going to yeah. teach them Christianity or if we're not going to teach them the values that we glean from Christianity. Yeah, but you're not just teaching am them I, academically. Am I, just, am I just allowing them to – I mean, why is a secular view any better? Why should you're I allow teaching, them to go to secular not, but, school? Why am I letting them do anything? I mean, it, you're it not, te you're not right? teaching them academically what Christianity is. So, for instance – there's a way to teach someone about Buddhism. Um, you, could, you could teach your kids about Buddhism without them becoming Buddhists. Uh, in fact, I, I would say that nine out of 10 Christians who were capable of teaching world religions could successfully teach their kids about world religions without their kids becoming um, you know, a, 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 an adherent of one of those world religions. So we, we, I think we do know the difference between teaching academically about a thing and, um, but kids need more uh, than that. And right. So this is what I'm talking about. about you don't, right? you, you're not, you're not interested in teaching academically. You're interested in making disciples. Uh, and that is in telling them every aspect that I've learned from it. And it, and, and I don't yeah. think that's a problem. But David uh, Johnson, because <laughs> there's three, three of you. Right. How do you how do you inculcate values? To be fair, that's where Christianity and secular people were going I, to. I did. Um, I did get. say. I did say this was difficult. Um, yeah. But <laughs> exactly. it, there's a there's a difference I think between inculcating inculcating values and getting someone to uh, make a a profession. And Christianity is a profession. It is a commitment. It is a contract that's signed in blood. It's not. And <laughs> it's just not. Well, it's really not yes, it just is. It, it really is. It's not a contract and it's not signed in blood. Well, you might, wanna, you might call it a covenant. And it is signed in blood. Sure, it is, covenant, it is, that's fine. Yeah, a covenant right. is a contract. Otherwise known no, as a not. contract. <laughs> <laughs> and it's signed in the blood of Jesus Christ that uh, that you were asked to wash in uh, and to partake of, uh, to make that a part of you. It is literally a contract signed in blood. And yeah, you were not asking children's blood. Children. I just wanted to be clear about that. <laughs> it's well, what? well you're, you're literally it's just asking signed children. In... No, that, uh, well, it's... it's... But you, but you are asking the child, uh, let's, let's be clear, you're asking them to die to themselves. That, that is a I think part that means of the contract. But no, wait I a minute. I think that means not be selfish. Rightly understood, that means not being selfish. 
being it's born about again, being born again yeah. doesn't mean don't be selfish. And I, I, I guys, I guys, this is going to come around. This is going to come around to how you teach your kids Christian Christianity. You have this idea of how people do it. He's giving you another proposal, and I think it's there's nothing wrong with it. He said he inoculates his kids. He gets them to a it's point enough. where they're they're at a certain age. Uh, what's that? I didn't use the word inoculate. You did inoculate. I, I did. That that was that was my revolution. Okay. Yeah. Right. No, what he said is, he <laughs> but, but he said there at there's just, there's a point. Um, there's a point they, though, <laughs> but there's a point they that they that they do make a profession, uh, but he's not coursing them in that direction. He's he's right. saying, hey, and I and I think that there is a point where you do make a profession. I think that's when you're a grown up, uh, and you can make a profession. Uh, it, you can sign. So saying, what, should, what do I do if my kids believe me? What do I do if my kids believe me? Like, what should well, my mom have said to the age of five? So said, you're saying it should be illegal. Hang on. You're yeah. saying it should be illegal yeah. for a child to say, I want to believe in God and I want to follow Jesus until they're 18. Or maybe they can believe it, but not tell anyone until they're 18. Otherwise, they'll be in trouble with the law. This is serious. <laughs> and I think you, what you're saying right now is absolutely ridiculous. It would never work. I, it, it never has be, worked. That would yeah. be an abuse. Well, but what, what are you saying? That, what are you saying? They believe in you. So you're saying, what if they believe you? Well, what you're telling yeah. your kids, what what I what I understand you saying is, you are, you are a sinner. You are you are doing evil, uh, by by being normal, uh, in that there is, uh, a, ultimate consequence of, some form of death awaiting for you and that the god who watches everything will call will uh exact uh judgment on you for everything that you have done i think that's abusive okay. so if you say well what but if it they is believe it is legal you? though if, if you're saying what if they believe you <laughs> if they believe you they need counseling if that's what if they believe you they they need they need help <laughs> if they believe you. I hope to God no one ever believes you. But this is why I this is why I say that it should be illegal. And, and I, that's, I that's because yeah, you're how do you enforce that? Right? Yeah. Well, well I, mean, I don't know. Have I have no idea. Possibly. This is this is not about uh, uh, me setting out some kind of uh, method to make it work. I'm just saying what I believe should not be legal. How do you enforce a parent? Uh, not showing their children sexually explicit uh, material. Well, I don't know how you enforce it, and mostly we do it badly. We don't. Well, how if do you find out they've done it, they go to prison if there's good evidence. Okay, that's then serious. maybe that's one way we enforce it. How do you how do you enforce? We also have to come to some sort of agreement on what is explicit, right? So, I mean, we're going to be pouring our values and what we right, believe so is once, explicit once again, you, versus not. You know, I mean, there's, 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 a, there's a whole thing that we're going to have to get to to say, okay, why is this wrong? Why is this right? I can't so, help I mean, you with the fulfillment details. And I, I honestly don't have a problem with parents saying, uh, you know, you, sh you shouldn't lie. What I have a problem with is parents saying, uh, you are evil, and and God is going to get you. Sure, that's psychological. That's psychological abuse. And you can say, well, you have the right to do it. It's legal, yeah. of course you do. I'm saying I think it ought to be illegal. Now you can say that I'm a nut for thinking that. Uh, no, I don't, I don't mind think it. you're not I thinking that. A nut for worse. <laughs> 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 okay, but but um, no, let's be clear. I don't want to be unkind. I just think the ridiculous part of what you're saying is that it should be illegal to uh, decide to follow Jesus until you're 18. That's the but ridiculous part. That, but I don't think that you have made um, 
a decision that you can make. And I think I think part of this depends on what you mean by follow Jesus. So let me let me just say yeah. we're we're talking about a disciple. This is a a word used by the Bible. It's a word that we sometimes use today. I don't think that a child could sign up to be a disciple of of Moon. Uh, you know, maybe maybe that's legal, but it shouldn't be. I don't I don't think that a child should be able to sign up and become a disciple of anybody. That's that's absurd. You think that what I'm suggesting is absurd. Just take it out of the context of religion for just a moment. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. absurd. It's insane. Everybody can see it's insane. All you have to do is remove it from the religious context, and it's obviously insane. It only becomes normalized when you say, oh, but it's Jesus. What if it's your, uh, was it a football team you mentioned earlier? Uh, yeah. How old do they have to be, how old should they be legally before they're allowed to be a fan and wear the shirt? Oh, they'll, they'll wear the shirt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's going to indoctrinate his kid, trust me. <laughs> okay, so let's make it not about religion for a second, like you suggest. Exactly. What if someone came along and said, uh, David J, it should be illegal for your kids to follow that team until they're 18 and profess that they want to follow that team until they're 18. That should be illegal. Well, I think that there are some, uh, there are some meanings of that where it should be. Uh, what, what would it mean to follow this team? Would you have to devote your life to this team? Then, yeah, that should be illegal. That's absurd. It's stupid. And now you're saying you have to devote your life to Jesus, but that's okay because Jesus... Do you see the do you see the standard that you are missing here? <laughs> you you think that just because you put Jesus bumper sticker on it that it's it's sane somehow? It's not sane. It's I a believe that children of, should be free to make their own minds up what? about Jesus. That's all I'm saying. I think but, children, but, should but they're be not free, free to make up their make mind up their about mind. anything because you're you're teaching them things yeah. in a coercive manner. Uh, that oh, no. that that that, <laughs> right. <laughs> that that can front. Now, look, when when I say you, uh, Dave, I want you to understand this is a disambiguated you. Uh, you know, about the only, thing, you the only thing I know about you, that you, you think all Christians are, and it's not fair because you haven't well, heard no, me out. Well, th- but the only thing I know about you is what you have told me on this podcast today. Okay, and so. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not making. I'm not making any judgments beyond that, and what the what the yes, listener can hear you saying <laughs> about I've you. The blog. You've made plenty of judgments before even talking to me this evening, and I'm saying that's not right. You should have gotten to know me and my parenting before making a judgment like that. And you've made plenty of judgments, judgments in your blog. You and your parents. Yes, you have in your blog. No, you can read no, about them. I, I'm here to answer challenges in your blog. When I wrote the blog, I had never. I've never spoken to you before I wrote the blog. I've never heard you on a podcast before I wrote the blog. I did not make a judgment about you before I wrote the blog. I think you did. I, I think well, it's clear that you did. Well, you're incorrect. <laughs> you're, okay. You're just, Everybody just read the blog and then you can decide incorrect. for yourselves, can't you? No, it no. doesn't. It's, it's not singularing you out particularly, is it? Or it's just generally, you're just talking about Christians in general? I'm talking about... Yeah, t- tell me specifically what you think that I'm that I'm singling you out for. Okay, so, um, so I'm pretty sure my Christian guest and host would be against knowingly indoctrinating of children into cults. You're you're right there. That's true. 
but that assumes they have a clear definition of a cult and can answer my charge that Christianity is itself a cult. Uh, and you go on to say, here are a few other things I don't think they will be able to answer satisfactorily. So you've made some judgments about me before meeting me there. You don't think I'm going to be able that's to answer not, questions. Yes, that's not And you think that I'm indoctrinating my children. No, I said about some things that I didn't think that you would be able to answer because these are things that no one uh, is really able to answer well. So I'm happy if you could. You haven't. Uh, but I haven't made any judgment about you and your children. The only thing that you could say was a judgment there was just assuming the best of you that you would think uh, that uh, indoctrination in occults is bad. Now, I, I assume that. I think that's I think that's the best assumption. If I'm wrong about that, I apologize. But I, I don't think I'm wrong about that. You've, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to assume the best of anyone. David Russell here uh, has kids, and I don't, I don't think here, here I am making a judgment. I don't think that he took any of that blog post uh, personally about him. Uh, no, you're you know, talking about all I don't know how, aren't you? I don't know how he raises his kids. Right? You don't. That's right. You don't. And so you need to listen to a Christian parent about how they parent. Well, I have listened them, to you today, and, and mm -hmm. you have told me today that you believe uh, that children uh, that are the age of your children uh, uh, can and will uh, go to some form of hell, uh, that, that hell will be populated uh, by them in some way. You have told me that you believe that normal uh, human things that children of, uh, of even four years old or younger can do are sinful. Uh, mm -hmm. And I read sinful as evil. You've told me that. So these are the things that I keep saying. These are things mm -hmm. that you have that have come from your mouth. Okay, yes. So these, are, these are the things that I'm talking about. Right so far. Yeah. Okay. So. And you I, think I that this should be um, illegal? Uh, yes. I shouldn't. So let me ask, if a parent believes in God and believes that Jesus offers forgiveness and friendship with God forever, if a parent believes that, what should they be legally allowed to do uh, in terms of sharing that with their children? Well, once again, I think it's a matter of age. So for instance, uh, you can't teach your child in a meaningful way uh, that there's a loving God who forgives you un unless you teach them that you are a sinful mess that needs forgiven. So that's, that's the first thing that you've got to convey somehow. Otherwise, forgiveness doesn't actually mean anything. And so you have to uh, convince the child that they need forgiving and i think when you when you talk about well you know four-year-old child needing forgiving that seems madness that's that's madness and so if you say should you should be, it be allowed, legal? uh no i don't think it should because once again you have to you have to teach that child that they are broken in some way in need of fixing that they so are sinful again. even evil in need of so what do you think they should be allowed to do? A Christian parent, what do you think they should legally be allowed to teach their children about what they believe? Let's get positive. What can they do legally in your world? 
I think that a Christian okay. parent. I think that a Christian parent. It's not a parent. It's not a. It's not a world Christians could live in. <laughs> well, no, I don't. You would think have us all slaughtered. No, just would kidding. you like me to answer the question? Yes, go, David. I'm, just, I'm trying to break the ice a little bit, buddy. <laughs> oh, no, should don't I break the ice. Let's let's leave the let's leave the tension. Uh, I think the tension <laughs> is important. Um, I still yeah, love you guys. So, don't worry. Yeah. Right. Well. So. That's fine. I, I can be loved or hated. I'm okay with it either way. Um, but I do believe that there, uh, as I was uh, speaking earlier, there are ways to talk about what you believe about mm -hmm. the world uh, without, uh, without making a disciple of that thing. Uh, there, there are ways to do it. So in the same way that you could teach a child about Satanism. Now, I know as a Christian, you probably have no desire. Most Christians would have no desire to teach their children about Satanism, okay? We've talked about but, it actually, but go. But, but so, great. So you, you have a way of teaching your child about Satanism in a way that you would be fairly certain, I think, fairly convinced that they would not become Satanists. And I, and I think that there are ways that you can talk about your belief in God, for instance, without a way of uh, then having them make a profession of faith uh, or making them feel that they need to make a profession of faith uh, at, but we at, know some, why, at some early we, age. We know why they do it, let's be honest. If you were to teach your children at 22 about, you know, uh, the gospel and things like that, you've got a much higher chance of losing them to non-belief. Um, you need to get them early because, in fact, I believe Franklin Graham, you know, uh, Billy Graham's son, is, is actually mm -hmm. suing some of the um, school districts in America to be able to gain access to, to schools to indoctrinate children early because they know that if they don't, they'll miss this boat uh, where they're wide open, where, they, where you circumvent reasoning, where um, they, can, they have a really difficult time understanding that um, existence stops. I mean, up until about age four or five, apparently they cannot un really understand that a dog dies and is not, no longer still thinking some way, even if it's not there. Um, so, you know, in the focus on the family, I had a look at their page about indoctrination. They pretty much just admitted, well, we kind of need to do it because otherwise somebody else will and they won't be Christians. And they've done studies on children or children from faith backgrounds, and they've actually found that they have a much harder time distinguish, distinguishing um, uh, fact and fiction stories. So if you if you grow up being told that there was a wild wild flood and animals lived on an ark and some guy had his hair cut and lost all his strength and there's talking snakes and things like that, when you're presented with stories that are not that maybe have a flying fairy in it and stuff religious children actually have, find it more difficult to understand that that's um a, you know a story and a made-up make-believe thing um as compared to religious children because they've been they've been uh taught that those things are actually true uh so i think it, it does them a disservice when when you can actually demonstrate that it it's, doesn't help their critical yep. thinking sarah can i just interject here because if it's the same study is it from the bbc the bbc put it out I was reading the article. It comes from yeah. Europe. Um, they also concluded that uh, 
uh, imaginative and fictional thinking, fantasy play, aid in the cognitive development of the children. Yeah. Uh, raising your children with fant fantastical religious tales is not bad after all. That was their conclusion. No. So, yeah, so that was that. that's what I, I got. I, yeah. I had to quote it out. I, I have the study myself. So, yeah. uh, that, and that yeah, was their conclusion. So, yeah, it did have two sides to it that they're more yeah. imaginative. That yeah. doesn't mean based on and that's, reason. Yeah. Um, but so, I mean, that's important for culture, too. I mean, I, that is, and if it helps their cognitive abilities, I mean, there I'm is a two big sides fan to of it. fantasy. So where do we go? Do we just meet in the middle? No, well, but I don't think I don't think <laughs> we know, I don't think we meet in the middle. But let me let me. Well, but don't exactly. well, we don't, you know. don't try to break <laughs> the tension. Just, don't don't break the tension just yet. We can do that later. <laughs> we um, can talk about we're, how it's affected us, how how we feel we've yeah. been indoctrinated. I'd be happy to talk to that because I yeah. do think some of the things that are echoed and that yeah. we've seen tonight, all that have been said, are things that deeply have affected me and that I think are indoctrination. That you know things that I was told I was going to live forever. As far as I was concerned, that was something that just is is ingrained in your brain and and it actually made me consider life less um as less precious than now where i think it will end and is is short um so you know i i think there are things like that that can we can all maybe say well, whether we feel we've been indoctrinated well i could play the real fundy advocate here and and actually be like well if that's true if you do gonna live forever how's that a bad thing to teach you then you know so, i mean and that's it i mean i don't yeah. hold that role but i could play that Right, but let me let me ask you let me ask two questions. Let me ask. But you can't demonstrate it. That's the difference. You cannot demonstrate. But demonstrate you can't demonstrate everything in this life that we know. I mean, epistemologically, we there's things that that are just self evident and stuff like that, properly basic to all of us, and we and that's just living forever isn't one of them. Living forever is not demonstrable. I don't know the whole God, but the whole God thing is right. The whole idea, okay, you know, there's this idea that mankind has been wrestling with since since forever: meaning, morality, purpose destiny that's part of it so um you know so i mean it's there uh and we're gonna have we're just gonna have different agreements and, and for one like truthfully i'm sorry that anybody has ever gone through what maybe david what, what it seems that david describes in his experience i'm sorry so there, for that i, I don't two, like there, it mm. there, but there anyway. are two questions that i want to ask and and then we'll do some closing comments just for the sake of uh time of the podcast it's been a great discussion by the way um but Two, two questions real quick before I forget them. Uh, one, uh, as far as the types of things, once again, what can you what can you pass to your kids uh, that, that you know, I do in my adult life that I wouldn't pass on to kids until they were older? So um, I, I think that we have to say that there are, there are definitely lines there. But when you, when you teach your kids uh, about your faith in Jesus, you know, when you teach them about God and sin and so forth, do you also teach them about um, Ganesh? Uh, do you teach them about uh, Allah? Uh, do you teach them about Cthulhu? Uh, do you teach them about uh, all of the other gods uh, and religions and then let them make, uh, stand back and let them make a choice? Or, or are you, in fact, giving them just kind of a one-sided view of your opinions. Um, so that would that would be one thing. You don't have to answer that. But the other question I wanted to get out uh, before I forgot it is, is there any religious message uh, that you would agree would constitute abuse and shouldn't be taught? So for instance, uh, is it okay to uh, teach your four-year-old 
you know, if if you do anything wrong, you're going to burn in hell. You're going to burn in hell. You're bad. You better do everything I say because you're going to burn in hell. I don't care if it's true. I just mean, would that be would would anything be considered abuse uh, to you? Okay. Um, should I go first, or is this just for me? I don't know. No, no, no. It's, just, it's, um, it's it's for you. Okay. So, do we, as parents that are Christians, teach our kids about other religions? Sure. Yeah, we do. Um, uh, we, do we teach them about all of them? No, for sure we don't. There's there's too many. We wouldn't no, have no, time no. I, day that's not what I mean. I just mean, do you teach them in the same way that you teach them about Christianity? Of course not. I don't believe them. No. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> I, I believe that Jesus really is God. And so but you do you do understand that there is a way that you can talk about Christianity to kids without uh, talking about it in a way that would make it a profession of faith for them. Uh, because you were saying, well, what can I can I teach them what I believe? Of course you can. You can also teach yeah. them what the Muslim believes. Um, yeah, that's that's that has nothing to do with my saying that, in doc, uh, you know, making children disciples. Is it should be illegal. I, I, that's a different thing. I just want to make that clear. And I've, I've uh, said this evening that that's also impossible. I can't make my kids Christians, and I'm not raising them as Christians. Sure, sure. I'm, and the other thing is there any is there any religious decision. is there any religious um, it, anything that a parent can teach under the rubric of religion that you would consider mm-hmm. out of balance, abusive, and you know possibly should be illegal? Anything. There's plenty I can think of that I would hate and would say is evil to teach children. Um, Would it constitute abuse? Again, legally, and I want to be clear, legally, I don't think so. Legally, it's not a matter of would it, it's a matter of should it. Should it. I'm just trying to get your opinion. Because I gave my opinion, I think think something should be illegal. no, your question was, is there anything a parent could teach a child that would constitute abuse? That's what you were asking me. Yes. And I'm saying... In your, in your opinion, that would constitute abuse. Oh, in and my opinion? Should, right, in your opinion. I'm not asking for my opinion, uh, anyone to yes. pull out the law books in their states. Okay? In my opinion, yes. Legally, no. Okay. So, in my opinion, yes, I think there are some okay. cruel things to so teach children. You and I are not that far apart. are free are to do it. Legally, people are free to teach their kids but, anything they want to, and I think that's they, important. But you would, but I think you would say that no one should be allowed to abuse their kids, right? I mean, you uh, would, yeah, you would say that, right? The issue. No one should be allowed to abuse their kids. No one should. So you and I, you and I, are not that far apart here. We're just, we're just, uh, uh, we just disagree on where that point. Yes. I believe in freedom of speech and freedom of belief, though. And you're saying some of that should be illegal until you're 18. Uh, no, I think that you should be able to speak about uh, what you believe. And I think you should be able to believe what you believe. I just don't think that children should be able to uh, be, I'm going to use the word uh, indoctrinated or persuaded uh, or or uh, witnessed to in a way that would bring about their profession uh, of religious commitment before they're an adult. Impossible. That's, that's, that's impossible. Thing. It's oh, impossible sorry. as well. 
How can because, you stop you know, believing stuff? Because you can How teach can you... people Islam and in the, in them not be, become Islam. Exactly. You can teach people Satanism without them becoming sure. Satanists. You can do but it. How do you stop? How do you stop your kids saying to you, I don't believe in God or I believe in God? Kids will say either of those. Um, and they'll go either, there's, nothing, um, there's nothing wrong with your kids saying I believe in God. Although I think, you know, to the things that they end up believing, that's that's kind of on you. But... What I'm saying should be illegal is this formal profession of religious commitment uh, that has one becoming a uh, lifelong disciple of a man. That feels cult-like. Okay, and yeah. It's a decision that people can make. It. It's a decision people can make, uh, adults can make, but we don't let kids make that decision if it's anything other than religion. We just we just kind of have this carve out for religion that doesn't make any sense to me. Should so that's, a, that's all I'm saying. Child be, uh, yeah, I think we massively disagree about what children are capable of before they're 18. Uh, I think well, children yes, because you the believe they're capable of doing... <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think children should have the legal freedom to decide to follow Jesus if they want to. I don't think that should be illegal. I think that would be oppressive. Oh, okay. But presumably you go into schools as well and you teach other people's children about it as well. Is that just a kind of, here's a presentation of what we believe, yep. this is what Christians believe, or is it an, an altar call at the end with come to Jesus and make a... Connection? No, it's not that. So right. uh, the law in England requires the vast majority of students in the vast majority of schools to learn about the Christian faith. Um, so my job... Uh, and by the way, so my job is to visit schools and to take in Christian guests to schools so that people have the opportunity to hear about Christianity from Christians and to hear about Jesus from people who say they follow him. So I, I think it's really important that young people have the opportunity to learn about Islam from a Muslim as well as from people who are not to and to ask them questions, too. And so that's why I do what I do. We go into schools, we give students the opportunity to hear about Christianity from Christians and to ask us anything they want and to say whatever they like to us. And I'm what? glad to say they're often pleasantly surprised. What do, they, what do you answer if they say, is this the truth? I will say, I believe it's true. Right, okay, yeah. Rather and you have just... to make up your own mind. Right, yeah, yeah, okay. What I would encourage people to do is not make up their mind based on gut feeling or based on our culture right now, but to base, uh, make up their mind based on a thorough investigation of Jesus and what we can know about him. Uh, I'd encourage people to investigate Jesus and come to their own conclusions. Yeah, so let's let's go in this uh, order for closing uh, comments. Uh, Russell, I want to start with you. You haven't had as much uh, to say in this, so I... Want to uh, either either it's there. We've been the quietest too today. Yeah, but I but I I want uh, I want you to go ahead and um so you and then Sarah and then Peg and I'll close us out and introduce next week's show. Um, so um, this is a time where we have a, a Dave Beck some uh, what I call our our closing statements. Um. And uh, it's, it's a time when you can kind of summarize the most important thing that you want to leave the audience with. And uh, there are no interruptions. 
you you can't be interrupted. <laughs> you can't be contradicted. Uh, this is your moment. So that's uh, what we're uh, getting ready to do now. Uh, and so uh, Russell, Sarah, Peg, me. All right. Well, you know, I think that we've come to the point where we're fighting about ideas and worldviews again, you know, and I think that's where where the, the heart of this really uh, comes down to is is we all agree that there's a line that shouldn't be crossed and what we should do to our children. There's uh, there, there are ways that we can harm them in what we teach them. There's also ways uh, we can uh, do well in how we teach them. I think it's uh, a parental choice. I don't know when the government should step in. I'm a very limited government type of guy, so I don't think they should really step in. I believe in freedom of speech, freedom of religion. Uh, and and the, the true question is, is we're all dealing with rational people here. So what when it comes to this subject of religion, what are the what are the facts? Even what are the statistics? And we know statistics can be wrong. We know that they can be off. They know that they can support our side here and there's discrepancies, but they do help us. And I have a I have about three or four here. And what uh, the one from Harvard, T.H. Chan School that that got people uh, on board to take this uh, survey and, and to get the statistic going, found that uh, children that are taught religious, uh, uh, you know, stuff at an early age have greater life satisfaction, greater sense of mission, greater sense of volunteerism, forgiveness, fewer depression symptoms, lower likelihood of PTSD, lower drug abuse, reduced cigarette smoking, lower sexual initiation, lower levels of STIs, and STDs, uh, reduced incidences of abnormal pap smears. I'm just reading the study, guys. I'm just reading the study. I told you I was going to break the ice a little bit. Believe in Jesus and you won't need a pap you smear. No, you, you'll have reduced incidences of pap smears. <laughs> oh, it's pap crazy, smears. isn't it? Isn't it? I know. I, I think so. Hey, I'm just reading the, the, the thing on the... Uh, another one who is uh, scraping the barrel, man. What the heck? I'm just, I'm just reading the stats, man. Another okay. one from uh, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, examined uh, religious lives in about nearly 2,500 adolescents, uh, talking about you know their indoctrination, their level of indoctrination, and the data shows that religious and doctor use are much less involved with illegal substances, alcohol abuse, criminal activities, and fewer problems in school. And then the final one, I think, I already got it was uh the uh ying chen uh it's probably the same part of the same study that we're talking about is that uh uh the findings that they had are important for both our understanding of health and our understanding of parenting practices many children are raised religiously and our study shows that this can powerfully affect their health behaviors mental health and overall happiness and well-being so i mean we have a we have an issue you know that 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 i think we addressed well tonight I think uh, the personal experiences and what we've gone through do shape those a little bit. Uh, I don't think a parent can not teach a kid their bias. Um, Y'all have biases. Uh, it's it's if we abuse them, we know. I know as a parent, I know that I don't get a report card for how I how I parent. You know, there's no report card. I do my best, and I hope for the best for my children, and I look out for the best in any way I think is is best. So. Uh, at the end of the day, yeah, guys, that's that's my closing. 
it's been great. I've loved having all y'all here. Y'all all brought some cool stuff to the table that even makes me think. So, thanks, Russell, Sarah. Yeah, so I was going to say, I think the word indoctrination obviously has quite negative connotations, but that most people, most parents are going to strive to uh, pass on their beliefs that they think is helpful, um, but they're not going to leave that to chance. So I think that it's going to happen to some extent uh, and everyone's going to introduce their biases, as, as David said there. Um, so I think as long as a, as an adult, you would be able to think for yourself, um, on some different pet and you could differ with what your parents thought um, I think you've probably navigated their indoctrination reasonably well so if you're able to, to change your mind on things then you've probably learned enough critical um, thinking skills to, to get you out of that um, I think uh, yes ideally that's the sort of thing you want to be passing down you don't want to be passing down fixed beliefs too much if you can help it. But as I say, I think it, it is going to help. It is going to happen. You want to try and model critical thinking so that uh, people can think for themselves and questioning and examining the nature of reality. I think the danger with um, religion is it has an emotional and psychological element to it, which can sometimes be dangerous. Um, I think the way it affected me, uh, as I've already said, I used to think I was going to live forever. I don't think that's been particularly helpful to me. Um, I thought that other people had no internal life. If you weren't a Christian, you had no internal life. You were dead inside. Um, and that everybody was, that they knew they were lost and in active rebellion. So I had that view of other people. I saw the others um, differently. And I think I would have loved not to have that upbringing. Um, I had quite binary thinking. I didn't, you know, I saw people as righteous, unrighteous, saved, unsaved, sinners, repentance, um, holy, evil, that kind of thing. Um, I think I was more judgy as a result of it. Um, I think because I knew my self-judgment was coming, and I think Dave Pegg has said quite a lot about that this evening, um, about what happens on the other side of the curtain. Um, and I think it would have been great not to have that again as upbringing, not because I wanted to go around and sin a lot, but um, because it stopped me judging other people and just as I say seeing four-year-olds as sinners or anything like that I, I preferred um, I prefer to think that um, uh, that people can are just human at the end of the day um, I, I also held views of things like I was fundamentally bad a sinner doomed without Jesus um, and I think that took away some agency and just owning my own crap really and, and realizing that I have to make amends and I can't throw my sin vicariously onto somebody else and it be dealt with but I need to put my big big girl pants on um, and I think it affects your ability to critically think. I mean, I still am angry at myself that I can get into my 20s, 30s, 40s and think that, you know, something like the Samson story is in any way true um, or that the I never even questioned Genesis. It was probably true until somebody said, well, you don't have to take it literally. But I obviously gathered that sort of view. So I think a lot of it I would have been quite better off uh, not knowing, unfortunately. So I do think indoctrination is quite is quite easily um, had in religious circles. And I'm sure most parents don't think they're doing it and they're doing the best they can. So um, I don't, uh, I don't uh, want to uh, hold them accountable for that. But I, I do think uh, in, on balance, I would have rather not, not been indoctrinated. There you go. Thank you, Sarah. Dave. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I think, 
I want to apologise just in case I got a little bit too worked up. I think there probably was a moment where I was a bit frustrated. Um, I actually felt, quite honestly, felt quite judged by the blog that was written before we'd had this conversation, um, before I'd been heard as a Christian and as a parent. I was hoping that it would be a podcast where you kind of got to know me better. I think we probably have achieved that to some degree. Um, but the blog got written first, and I, I found that quite unhelpful, actually. Um, although it's given us plenty to talk about uh, now that it has been written, I suppose. Um, so I think indo indoctrination is a bad thing. It only gets used pejoratively, I think. No one says, I indoctrinate my kids and I'm proud of it. it it's a bad thing. And I think the way that indoctrination is bad is that it's an, it, it's an unquestioning, it's expecting an unquestioning acceptance and belief of what's being taught. And I think that's always bad. And so let's try not to do that as parents. Uh, we try not to do that as parents. Um, having said that, parents, we're acknowledging that parents are a massive influence on their kids for good and bad. Uh, you know, my kids are like me and like uh, their mum as well. For good and for bad, they're learning behaviour off us all the time. And, you know, they get angry like me. They muck about like me and laugh like me and joke like me. And they're like us. Nurture is happening, uh, whether we like it or not. They're learning from us for good and bad. And so as parents, we have to try, I think, to do the best we can to love our kids well and raise them well, to teach them well. Um, and that includes, I think, helping them to ask big questions about God and the universe, the worldview questions, you know, like parents have a worldview that they'll want to share with their kids. And pretty quickly their kids will figure out that their parents aren't necessarily right about everything. They figure out, they figure that out long before they're 18. And they figure out what they want to believe long before they're 18. And I think they should be legally allowed to do that and to say what they want and keep asking questions. Um, I uh, really am grateful actually that the law where I am gives parents and children freedom of speech and freedom of belief. I think that's really important if we're going to raise kids well. Uh, that's an important freedom. And I think that's probably the point where I got worked up because I thought taking that away really would be ridiculous and cruel. So, and there are places in the world where it is a bit like that and it is cruel. So I'm glad I live here where parents are free to tell their kids what they think is important, if, even if I think it's bonkers. Um, and kids are free to believe it or disbelieve it long before they're 18. I think that's really important freedom that we have. So, yeah, let's try not to indoctrinate our kids um, and let's help them to think for themselves, make their own minds up, give them the tools they need to be able to evaluate truth claims and make up their minds about the biggest questions that human beings have. Um, yeah, thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Dave. Give me a child until he's seven and I'll give you a Catholic for life. Um, I'm not sure who uh, said that. I think it's been credited to more than one person. Um, it's, it's a truth, really. You can take it into the uh, Old Testament uh, where the command is to, you know, walk with your children. Um, when they're small and talk to them about the stories, tell them, uh, and eventually, you know, they they won't 
walk away from it. They they will it will be. I don't think the word is indoctrinated here, but yeah, you get the idea. Uh, if you give me a child, and especially me, because I'm I'm fairly clever. <laughs> if you give me a child uh, from age zero to seven, I can make them believe anything. Uh, and I wouldn't have to uh, abuse them or apply pain to them. I could, I could do it all with words, all psychologically. I could, I could do it legally. But I could make them believe anything. Is it right? Um, no, I don't think it is. Uh, but I could do it. And so it's not a question for me of whether... It is legal uh, to do this. We know it is legal. It's a, it's a matter of questioning the sanity of whether it should be. And you can balk at words like indoctrination, but those have always been perfectly fine words for other people when they do it. Um, but sure, use another word. Um, persuasion through coercion uh, yes I can I can take a an impressionable child I don't even need them for the whole seven years give them to me for a summer camp I'll turn them into anything you want I, I could do it I wouldn't do it my conscience wouldn't allow me to but I could do it and at some point someone might object and I believe that they should uh, the um, Applegate uh, cult, um, Heaven's Gate, um, that cult had their people doing all kinds of things, in, including castration. Well, I could teach a child the, the ideas of that cult, and I could make it sound great. I could get you a hundred children. Just give me a short time. I get you a hundred children who are volunteering to be castrated. Good idea? No. Should it be illegal? Yes, it should be illegal. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it should be. Um, I think that's awful. I appreciate um, Dave Pegg's uh, sensitivity in suggesting that um, he, he hates uh, the way, some of the ways that clearly I was taught and Sarah was taught and, and raised and brought up to think. He, that, that seems to be a burden on his heart. And I appreciate that. That's, that's a bit of humanity that, um, that I acknowledge and celebrate. But why do you hate it? Are, are my parents, were my parents bad parents? You, you, you talking about my mama? Um, yeah, yeah, they did things, they taught things in a way that was damaging. It was perfectly legal. Um, should it be? Where's the line? Where's the line? Where do we, where do we stop the madness? You know, when, when do we stop telling kids, die to yourself and live for Jesus? For me to live is Christ, and for me to die is gain. When do we when do we stop uh, pushing our kids to join uh, our religions so that they can 
continue to perpetuate and beat the Muslims or what have you? When, when does, you know, I, I feel, I feel like there is a conversation about sanity that needs to be had more. And I'm, I'm not sorry that it gets heated sometimes. It gets heated because these are very personal things that we have all had to live with, that, that there are real consequences to. There are consequences to teaching children this way. And I don't think that uh, tonight uh, or today, this evening, that we talked enough about some of the consequences uh, of some of the more damaging teachings. Uh, and I think that if we did that and maybe had a little bit more empathy for the people who have suffered from the teachings, I think that we could have maybe saner con uh, conversations about what is it is and okay to tell our children. I, for one, don't want a generation of children who are raised believing that they are bad. They are bad. That the creator of the universe is mad at them and he's gonna judge them and he's watching everything they do and they're gonna get it. I don't want them thinking that. I don't think that's healthy. And so maybe it's not the, the healthiest framing to talk about whether it should be legal or not. Uh, and to talk about what may be good, healthy ways to raise our children. Can we raise good human beings uh, without, uh, without making them disciples of people? I think we can. And can we leave this profession of faith to a time when they're able to make more adult decisions? I think we can. I think we can do all of that. I think that we can teach our kids the things that we believe, whether it be about gods or football teams, uh, without uh, putting, giving them the kind of pressure uh, that makes them make decisions before they have a chance to really understand what they're doing. I think we can do that. I think that we can reach across the aisle and come to some agreements, but it starts with conversations like these. They're a little bit rough because we don't have enough of them. We haven't had them for a while. I hope that this isn't the last one. And so I appreciate, um, Sarah, uh, you uh, coming on. I, I know that um, you don't really like coming on podcasts that much. And so it's always a special one uh, when you come on. Uh, Russell, I appreciate you um, uh, helping me host uh, the podcast with uh, much grace. Uh, Dave, I am sorry that you... Uh, took some offense. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sorry for anything that I said. Although I think that some things were maybe mistaken, and I, I, uh, in an effort to be clearer, I, I always want to find out where I can be a little bit more clear. Uh, and whereas uh, I want to have conversations with charity, I also have want to have conversations that mean things. And this means something personal to you because you're a person of faith and you have children. It means something personal to me uh, because I have been a person of faith and I have influenced children and I have been influenced. We both come at this with stories, with scars. Uh, and I think, that, I think that this can be the beginning of more fruitful conversations. And I hope that you uh, walk away with that too. Next week, uh, next week, what I think is going to happen. <laughs> so by the time you hear this, um, folks, I've said this kind of thing before and it has not been the case. I think that we are going to have a comment show. Uh, I haven't checked with um, Brian with a wise schedule, but I am pulling together uh, some comments and um, 
So at, I, I think that by the time this airs, what is going to happen next week is that we're going to have a comment, uh, comment section show uh, and we're going to go uh, uh, back and look at some of the comments from the last few weeks uh, and talk about some of those great conversations that have happened on the board. Uh, and so those are my favorite kinds of shows I've said in the past. It just continues to be true. And um, I love having uh, Brian on uh, for those shows because he choose, always chooses great comments and has uh, some great insights. And uh, we have some great conversations from that. So uh, be sure to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, uh, it's been a fan fantastic conversation. Thank you all for uh, coming on. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye.